get real with the fever on the dance floor. Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple and Better. I'm JP. Sorry. <laughs> JP this time. Uh, What's up, JP? <laughs> We've been doing this for four years, dude. <laughs> I, I specifically ripped off the Slash film cast. I took their intro, told you and Joe about it on episode one. We nailed it episode one. We've nailed it for three, for four years since. Two weeks ago, Gareth gets it wrong. Now it's you. What the fuck, man? I'm a bad, bad influence. It must be me. <laughs> I'm JP. I'll just, I'll just get that in now. Do you know why I do it? Like I, I always like I like to run the slash filmcast because like yeah. there's times when you listen to podcasts when you listen for the first time you don't know who's who, and I got we used to get that all the time. People couldn't tell you and Joe apart, so I thought that would help. Um, I mean, I feel like once you get to know the two of you, you can very much tell you and Joe apart. But you know that was my genius intro, and yeah, messed it up, mate. I ruined it. Sorry. I've got an update about like just sort of US election polls close, (laughs) which we will be giving you blow by blow updates as we go through this. So how we transition from Ring of Honor. Well, that's actually quite easy. We're going to Sinclair that that goes into the election. So I do apologize for the first time I fucked up that intro. I am deeply sorry. Uh, Who's winning right now, JP? The goodies or the baddies? Um, Well, at this point, there is uh, a CNN exit poll. On oh. breaking news alert. Come on, lad. Crack on. Because I've got a pair of headphones on here. So I don't know if you can hear this. He's talking. Exit poll. Uh, Georgia emer- emerges as a toss-up for the first time in decades. That's not a surprise. No, folks. okay. Anyone's been following this election for the last few days. Other than that, you will know probably about an hour and a half. And I, I will let you know live on air. But there I won't go. bore you with it. But it's. I mean, no one's listening live, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least we'll be informed. We'll know. completely forgotten that this is recorded, isn't it? That's how podcasts work. We'll be live on I've Sunday. I've the intro, what this is. I'll just sit this one out. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Speaking of uh, old podcasts, like uh, Martin, uh, we were just talking before we started, Martin put out the uh, the, the very first podcast I ever did today, the uh, the PWN Catchcast at the end of uh, 2016. I'd been writing for Indie Corner for a little bit at that point, and Martin blindly invited me on his podcast. So it's Martin's fault, everyone, that, that caused all uh, all of this so-called, I call it the Bushbyverse, really, the Benavoyer stuff that Will always talks about. Um, so that's the nucleus of it. But, like, apparently during that podcast, I rave about Wolfgang, Jimmy Havoc, other things I probably shouldn't have raved about at that time. Uh, but I do, I do point out the WWE are coming to kill Brit Rez, so I got, like, one thing right. I'll take that. You're consistent from there from day one. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was, it, was it, like, classic Krusty? Yeah, yeah, not that different. Not that different. I feel like really? I, I was very much more polite. I will say that. In, 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 I was basically saying Brit Rez was dead, but I was just saying it in a very polite way where, like, you know, I, I just want, I wanted to get invited back on. Like, I was telling Gareth before that, like, back, back in those days, I was a different Ben. I was writing progress reviews, glowing progress reviews at that time in 2016 of how great uh, their shows were. I used to tag Jim Smallman in my reviews when I put them on Twitter, when I uh, he retweeted a couple of my PW Torch reviews, uh, how our relationship has changed over the last four years. It was it was absolutely surreal listening to you like um, banging on with Glee about Jimmy Havoc's return and you know thinking about should they putting the title back on him or not you know and, you know I was thinking what am I listening to here and 
Oh, how 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 you how you both enjoyed old Banter Claus? That was oh. uh, that one went down. Very <laughs> Look, we had a few that beers. <laughs> to, to be fair, that that wasn't the most shocking, really. It was um, it was it was Martin uh, predicting big things for uh, Joseph Connors in, in NXT UK. I think that was, or or in the in the WWE system that was the most surprising to me. So that there is, you go, Martin. That is the <laughs> nucleus of that based, joke that I will never let go. Ba- is it all based on that one Southside match he saw him in? Which is like kind of he's convinced is some sort of Brit rest, um, I don't know, Sex Pistols in Manchester. I don't know the name of the place where they played in Manchester for the first time. There's this great moment of Joe, mm. Joseph Connor's glory as a heel in Southside in Sheffield. I'm not going to tell you that. But... Well, after watching NXT uh, UK, like I, I don't think that's the case. Sorry that. <laughs> It's bad though because that's the one that stuck when I was fucking having a go at Josh. I, I was I was saying that Josh Bowden was the future and people should book him more, but yeah, that didn't really age very, very well either. There's a there's a lot of problematic comments on that. It was weird as well. It was like one of those podcasts where like I've just interrupted you about three times there, JP. I would I would have been too scared to do that back then. We were all very polite. I was doing like my best. Like I didn't want to sound too scouse either. I don't know if you noticed that, Gareth, where I sounded like I basically sound like Michael Owen doing commentary on BT Sports. Like that that was the voice I was going for in my first few podcasts. But now I just don't give a fuck. Um, yeah, <laughs> oh, you, you, weren't, you weren't that awful, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that credit. You weren't, at, you weren't at Michael Owen levels, definitely not. <laughs> so it, it, there was less of the Brit rest is dead, and more the I'm sure everything's okay, but you might just want to have a health checkup just to be on the safe side. But I'm sure this relationship's going to go well. Goodbye. That was that was kind of <laughs> what you were like with Brit rest at that point. Yeah. Uh, what you, we like? Very, you were much more polite about your um, about ICW not, not not been your kind of product as well kind of thing. It was, uh... <laughs> Look, I got I got worn down by four years of reviewing the fuckers like, and it was only ever like once a year, but that was enough. Like we used to, I mean, those early spotlights, JP. I'm, where we planning on doing? Did we record a whole ICW episode, or did or was that the one that we we lost? There was definitely an episode that we lost. We recorded early on because we did like a a Rev Pro themed because oh, yeah. Spotlight was supposed to mean we would spotlight a different promotion each month. So I think we did Rev Pro, then we did Progress, then we got bored. Um, <laughs> we did. <laughs> we we, that we, we did it. We did Attack, and then there oh, was very much thing of fuck this and got no like, feedback. I can't be doing. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like, do I want to listen to this? No, not at all. Um, and then after a while, we just gave up with Britain in a, in a very prescient move. Really. Just dropped the British. Yeah, exactly. We just went, I think we need to get away from this. Um, and it's worked out for the best. Oh, yeah. That was the thing. Like the, Although they pulled us back in this week. Well, yeah, we'll be raving about uh, Britain in a minute, I think. But yeah, that was the point, wasn't it? It was like there was like towards the end of Indie Corner. Like we were still allegedly a British wrestling podcast, but we'd spend the first hour and a half talking about whatever the fuck we wanted. Then we go, oh yeah, Brit Res, let's review that progress show in about twenty minutes. Uh, I think we learned where our bread was buttered eventually, JP. Oh, we did, we did, and now we insult many promotions on a global <laughs> scale. We just leave all your favourites to the end. That's what we do now and go, JP, well, you got five it. minutes. Mate, MLW back on November 18th. And no one else is paying attention, but I am. <laughs> oh. I'm there. Other than uh, retro podcast content, how have we all been? Have a good Halloween. It's, uh, there's no other news that's going on. There's nothing nothing changed in the UK at all. Um, I mean, Gareth, I've noticed you've got a fresh haircut. I've had a fresh haircut. JP, you're letting the side down a little bit there. but I- I'm going to have to get it in, and I don't quite know when this is going to happen. 
because I've got basically tomorrow and I've got a full day of work tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, good luck. And I plan on sitting up and watching a bit of the election stuff. And this is a complete horror show, mm. which you'll know if you've listened to this, because, again, that's how recording and releasing <laughs> later work. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I do need to sort out the hair and beard at, at, at this stage. But, um, yeah, I'm running on empty one day after half term. But uh, on the upside, Fantasy League still doing all right that bench boost worked out okay so i'm getting that stuff in because i know you're not you're not mad on this gareth are you at the minute uh it's a, it's a long game it's a long game i'm um I, i'm i've had One a disaster I've, assist. is it still worth it oh two two mitrovic assists i was thinking oh here we go two assists i'm gonna like uh can't wait to see the uh, table in the morning and like gone down five places as everyone below me had jamie vardy you know and you're just like oh fuck <laughs> what, yeah. what i have done i've gone i've gone for the old um sort of like psych yourself out reversal kind of thing here and I've made an early transfer and I've finally got rid of Trent Alexander-Arnold and I'm telling myself that at least if he starts getting points it'll be good for Liverpool and I'd rather it be good for Liverpool than my fantasy team kind of thing but um, you know the, these little games you play with yourself kind of thing to try and uh, justify these mm. <laughs> these these decisions but I know having since like watched them this evening yeah I know he's getting a clean sheet and two assists against City at the weekend or something like that and <laughs> I should be delighted but I'll be fucking cursing the fact that I've missed out on 17 points, you know, <laughs> rather than the fact that we've gone well clear of City in the league. Oh. Such is life. But my big transfer this week was that I, I transferred one goalie, you got zero points out for another goalie that got zero points. And that kind of sums my week up, really. I didn't lose to a child this week, though, uh, especially not one related to Gareth. So, you know, I'll take that as a win. Yeah, I did, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's just yeah, you know, it's just giving me constant shit all day for like two days. Oh, did you play Alex? Did you? Yeah, yeah. His draft team beat me like seventy forty or something like that, and he was sat there ahead of me. And he had like Vardy to still play last night and stuff. So he's just been giving me just shit now for two days, solid. So I think it's it. I'm starting to regret the. Uh, I was regretting the decision to introduce him to fantasy league as it, enough as it was anyway, because he makes like easily 20 like different things things each each day where he's like oh yeah i might do this transfer next week i might do this transfer what do you think of this and he's like coming at me with multiple permutations and then and then now he's fucking twatting me i'm like yeah jesus christ we need to like, cut this off you're not playing next year mate <laughs> nip that in the bud because i found that with the eldest boy trying this um although last year mr week he was always behind and i thought that that's good that's, I'm fine with that little little relationship and new, new there as well. <laughs> sounds like he's, he's smashing the place up right now. He is. He, look, he's, he sounds livid, Gareth. Is he, is he trashing the gaff? Oh, is that oh, Gareth? I thought that was JP. <laughs> That's no. not mine. What's going on at Grapple Tower? Right? Uh, it's, 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 here, it's here. I think Sarah's just making a, making a drink. Oh, fair enough. That's, 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 Hello, that's Sarah. Fine. We don't want to annoy Sarah. <laughs> you've, got a, mate, you've, got, you've got a month lockdown coming up, so we'll be careful with our words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's got, uh, it's got to be rough, though. Oh, like, I, I, like, I, had, I had a couple of like fun things planned this month. I'm not going to be able to do them. Just going to... Thing is, though, I'm going to get locked down in Liverpool, but at least we get to be guinea pigs this month, Gareth. We get to uh, apparently we're, we're all getting tested. That's the that's the news. You're going to go for it. I'm going to do. It. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to do my part and hope we get out of tier three at the end of this month. This is news to me. What's this? Oh yeah, the the, the trial in uh, Liverpool. See, the trial in Liverpool is a city being the first city to uh, to get uh, everyone in the city is going to get be uh, eligible for testing for the next month. 
and they're going to uh, test people and then test you again the following week to uh, to check whether you've got it. I mean, it's a bit wasted on you because you've kind of had it very recently, <laughs> but you know, riddled with it, mate. Yeah, <laughs> the Mark Fowler of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, I love it. <laughs> this, this, this is why we need to get you moved up here, JP. You've been talking about moving up to Liverpool for a while. We did, you know, yeah. your dad's house is on the market right now. Eighty-five grand, pay up, come move up, get yourself tested. At, compared to these Oxford prices, fuck yeah, I am all in board on that. He'll take sixty, mate. He's got. He, he put some. He put some photos up on Right Move uh, this week that you lads have seen, and <laughs> one of the photos is by Podcast Room. And it's like, you can see like my little computer set up on my post-wrestling sticker. And they're like my Hogan and my, my little rock stuff toys in the background. It couldn't look more like a five-year-old's room. Like if that if that doesn't drive the price down, I don't know what it is. JP, you could get yourself a bargain then. Yeah, the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate warrior duvet cover and things. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do that. We'll move I, you I'd in, JP. I could, I, could, I could move in. I could put my gold dust mask on Dixie Dean's statue. See how that goes down. <laughs> Probably not well. <laughs> I would have thought that they might have something. I I enjoyed being up around there. It'd be interesting living that, running that that road at about two a.m. The one at the top near Goodison, where there just appears to be metal shutters down on a permanent basis, uh, and a club in inverted commas. I'm very curious to see what that's like. Sixty k though, yeah, I'm there, mate. I live some sort of decent life rather than being being in Oxford. As nice as that is. Sorry, that sounded a bit bleak there. It's your fault for living in a Tory city, mate. That's the difference. I live in the one Labour part of the city, I'll have you know. It's the Shadow shadow Chancellor as my MP. Well, all right. Is he... (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say, what have the uh, the local Tories been thinking about this uh, this this new lockdown? JP, is there uh, is there anger from the gammons that you are all being dragged into uh, to, into yeah. this with the rest of us? You get what you voted for. Mm. So, like you know, at that point, we're all playing the running man at this stage, <laughs> and you know, not enough time for me because I'm running away from fucking buzzsaw and the big lad shoots electric out of his hands. <laughs> <laughs> like what happens in the blue bit of Oxfordshire? It's like. You know, sorry, it's Hunger Games time now, people. That's very, very bleak. Um, they're not taking it well. They're probably talking, you know, you see a lot of shite being talked about. Like Horace is doing his best, mate. In Liverpool. You swear they're having barco, barcodes fucking tattooed on their arms, aren't you? And the Illuminati are coming round to get them with the Knights Templar or the conspiracy bollocks that surrounds it all the time. I've seen some of that. And it's like, mate, they're sticking a fucking swab up your nose and tickling your nostrils. Get the fuck over it. <laughs> Sneaking in miniature fucking people like his inner space. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Tell us what you really think, JP. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Other than that, it's all good. Yeah. Other than you know, the Tories completely fucking it and taking us into a lockdown again. Maybe two months too late or whatever it is. You know, it's fine. Everything's fine. Yep. It, it's, it's so fucking bad. Mm. Like, Everything with them is awful in this, and I think I don't think the December December second date they're going past that. Um, my brother's been in lockdown, so he lives in Ireland for the last mm. couple of weeks, and there's the R rates going down. They've had like 500 cases a day, which would seem like some sort of fucking Halesian dream compared to to what it is here at the moment. But um, but yeah, I I fear for Christmas. Mm. That's what that's what I would say. Um, 
TNT announced they're going to run, though, I imagine. Unfailed. <laughs> 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 I think Eve only cancelled their show, like, this week. Like, they were still thinking they were running this weekend. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hopefully the lessons for that. Why running? It wasn't the resistance gallery, apparently. It was somewhere near. Um, yeah. Crowd of one. <laughs> JP, you did the round table last week. Do you want to talk about that? I did. Oh, save you. Um, yes. I'm, 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 I'm the swamp monster by all accounts, aren't I? <laughs> the swamp monster? No. Uh, that is was, what was said. Was... No. No. Sorry. In jest. In jest. Although, where's that early TNA? Just going to throw that in now on a weekly basis. We've moved past the star rating. So, where's the early TNA, mate? Just going to say that. Oh, is um, it out on the app? Yeah, all the early stuff. It's 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 coming. It's, I'm just teasing you. You know, you don't, you don't want to. Yeah. Make <laughs> me wait. Don't want to give you everything on the first day, JP. <laughs> <laughs> you got a month in lockdown now, Jack Garrett, to work on it. I think you can type that thing out. Get that spreadsheet. Good lad. Um, <laughs> no, we did we did the um, the roundtable this week, mm. which was uh, which was fantastic. Going in depth with. Uh, the uh, Kensuke Sasaki and Akira Hokuto of uh, of pro wrestling and Alan and Sarah Farrell, and our the permanent champion of Roundtable, Sarah Flannery, who uh, uh, again all brilliant, uh, absolutely loved doing it. Um, it was great stuff. Also, I, I was on the show. Hey, you were on the show. <laughs> it's fine. And I tried to I stay out the way. Just, Leave you to it. I was just coming on to that. <laughs> What I found is having you on there mm. as a guest, it was like all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, you kind of remember how difficult it is hosting and how seamlessly you switch between the two. That's where the compliment was. Oh, it was you. coming. I was saving yours to last. You just sort of think, oh my, because I don't know if you feel that way after. I'm, I'm wrecked. Yeah. I'm absolutely wrecked afterwards. And you're like fresh as a daisy after these things, like the hardened pro you now you are at this stage. I, but yeah, I'm, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. Um, and it kind mm. of serves as like an introduction to power struggle as well and, and where New Japan's going to be going in the next year. And it's always great, you know, um, kind of really nice sort of laid back chat. Yeah, mm. good length as well, which is, you know, typical for us. Really, it's our trademark it? now three hours, isn't it? It is, it is. <laughs> And every once in a while I go, we'll do two hours tonight. Of course, we'll do two hours. No. It won't happen. It never no. happens. No, you... no I'm, just, I'm, I'm just laughing, like, because obviously I'm sitting, like, looking at you two here, and, um, like, JP is like, yeah, we did this podcast, it was great, and you're both sitting here nodding away and, like, nodding away at how great your podcast is. And I'm thinking, like, yeah, yeah pat yourselves on the back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, yeah. Just the best podcast this year. Probably was, you know, if there were, if there were podcast awards, That's I think it would win it. JP, you did a fantastic job hosting it. That's I, what I was going to say. Fucking romped it. I mean, like, honestly, God, it's the parasite of uh, podcasts. Well, <laughs> as, so, as someone who wasn't on that podcast, I would say. It was fucking shit. Uh, say, it was, it was ex- excellent. It was, it, was, it was such a good listen. It was, uh, it was, it was um, just seeing all those, the different angles and everything that, that people came from and things. You know, you just got those real balanced views that maybe sometimes you don't get with us three on here as well, where we've got, like, <laughs> similar opinions on quite a few things. And, you know, mm. it, you sometimes do forget that there are other opinions out there and 
you know, again, I thought I thought everyone was great, and just like shout out to Sarah Flannery as well because I just thought every single one of those that she's done, she's been absolutely you know top top notch on on every single one of them. So, mm. you know, keep keep that returning champion coming back, JP. I would say <laughs> oh, she she has to be now. She, she's um, I'm trying to think of like sort of permanent panel show host guests, like sort of Alan Davis on QI. Just like have to constantly keep her, like um, have her on every week. It's putting a lot of pressure on her now at this point. Mm. Uh, Making her commit to like TNA roundtables and all sorts. Oh, is that next? Is that coming next? See, you're putting Gareth on the spot, but yeah, JP. I think so. I think I like that is the that is the one is to do, but it's 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 a multi part thing. I think you know the life and times of Jeff Jarrett. We've we've kind of wanted something I want to cover in a great deal of depth including like the forest bump project um trademark uh mark buckle d um but yes an early tna one that's what i'm, I'm hoping to do kind nice. of uh, year one tna all the shit but that's the way you got to approach it in stages and then the scott the Moore era mm. and then the shit show that is hogan and the rest of them hogan and friends turning up to ruin yet another company that's what we want. Yeah, I noticed that Alan Farrell uh, picked the post a little bit because he, like, as he plugged on the show, he did one with uh, with Glatzo Dan and our mate uh, Eddie Sideburns. Uh, yeah, we've got to keep keep that keep that retro TNA love going because it feels like there was a lot in the air last week, and we need to uh, to not let that die. JP, it worked that Imp- Impact Plus membership thing, didn't it? I did. Got people did. talking about like TNA more than any other time. There you go. I mean, we're going back. You're going back to the early 2000s soon enough yourself, though, aren't you? With like, you're 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 going Ring of Honor mental for a bit. Yeah, we're doing that on post. It's going to be Ring of Honor retro Ring of Honor month, and I've just decided that. Um, I haven't. I've got I've got that amount of power over a post now. I can just tell John and Way that's what's happening. No, I can't. Uh, just co- <laughs> completely coincidentally, yeah, I'm doing uh, the up next uh, show. We're doing uh, Joe, Samoa Joe's ROH title reign, and we're doing uh, over on uh, Bushby and Thompson. We're doing uh, the 2007 version of Manhattan Mayhem. Uh, it's what I was. But, Four years ago, when I first did that podcast with Martin, this was always what I was aiming for to uh, to get the retro ROH going. So if I can do that, you can get the retro TNA going. Uh, I was I was going to say, well, you can wait for my PCW podcast as well. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> that, oh, that's yeah. the real uh, great era of wrestling, isn't it, Gareth? The, uh, back when PCW would get the likes of Goldust and Scott Steiner in, and you'd you'd see them oh, in the, oh, in the no. pisser when you're at the toilets and Devitt and all of them. I'll be doing five hours on Joey Hayes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you are like one of the big Joey Hayes fans, aren't you? How how many times have you seen Joey Hayes wrestle, Gareth? Oh, unquantifiable. <laughs> <laughs> Same. The classic piece. The last thing I saw of PCW was that uh, was the Shake El Sham versus Stephen Flutter match, mm. which was brilliant. And not knowing anything that happened and then seeing Billy Gunn run out at the end. <laughs> <laughs> That is fucking brilliant. Glorious <laughs> stuff. Still surprise your PCW. As they did the venue that didn't know they were booked a couple of weeks ago. But you know, <laughs> that's them. Flutter will never change. If anyone's running during this pandemic, I'll put money on it for you, Flutter. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah obviously... Times wrestling. Really, yeah. <laughs> it's not even press. It's not even press anymore. <laughs> That'll be the real battle. 
that's it um but yeah i was gonna say like while we were talking the plugs i uh, just very quickly um we are uh, planning on doing another live show this weekend coming up that's what the uh the hint about the video is about um we're not just teasing people and being mean we are gonna attempt to do a live video podcast on uh on sunday night tentatively 9 30 did we say lads i think think that's gonna be fine yeah. as i said before we record we promise any earlier it just won't happen so let's just all be honest um we'll do our best um but yeah steph's gonna be coming in uh, and joining us Speaking of uh, returning champions, and there's obviously Power Struggle uh, and uh, AW Full Gear on uh, Saturday night as well. So yeah, if uh, people can want to join us Sunday night, it'll be on uh, on my Twitch. It'll be on our YouTube. You can just watch it on our, on my Twitter page as well. Uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that as well. But uh, get that plug in at the start. We usually bury them at the end, don't we, JP? When no one's listening anymore. Yeah. So you know, there they are. All the plugs. Exactly. Good work getting that in. It's a nice little format switch that we did on the fly that inexplicably because of something you said earlier on. Well, if we're going to be getting plugs in, then um, it's probably worth mentioning as well at this stage that if you are listening, if you are watching uh, AW Full Gear <laughs> this weekend, uh, you can order that through uh, through Grapple and you can help uh, keep the lights on at Grapple. If you, if you visit grappleapp.com forward slash support, there's a link up there uh, with partnered up with fight tv again for this uh, particular pay-per-view and if you order via grapple um it's not going to cost you a, a penny more than if you just order directly through fight but what it does mean is that we just get a little kickback uh, on that which uh, yeah it's uh, always good to see so yeah visit grappleapp.com forward slash support and uh, yeah we'd we'd massively appreciate it so uh, yeah if you could go for it there we go all the plugs out the way at the start we've done it We've turned around its head, as you say, JP, and uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's get it. Let's get into the wrestling then. Uh, definitely do that. Definitely uh, support Grapple where you can. But yeah, we wasted enough time, lad. Let's talk about uh, what we got to talk about uh, this week. And the only place to start, I think, uh, is the uh, the sad news this week of the uh, the death of of Tracy Smothers. Um, I think for me. Two people I wanted to be talk about this is you two. I've been looking forward to doing this show with you. Is uh, the two biggest early '90s WCW fans that I know, but obviously that doesn't uh, do full justice to like the the career of, of Tracy Smothers. You know, you can call him a journeyman if you like, but the amount of the amount of wrestlers you see like tweeting about him from all kinds of generations, never mind like the modern indie generation, to you know, to people who, who met him in WWF and WCW with stories of him in Japan, like stories of him, where stories in my local promotions, like he came over like right before I started wrestling training, wrestled for GPW and worked Dirk Feelgood in the in the same ring that I would debut in a few months later. Like he was only ten <laughs> he was only ten years removed from being on Raw at that point. Of, like maybe like six years removed from being on ECW. Like <laughs> like, it's pretty fucking bad. Um, how the mighty have fallen. And the, the big story I always heard about him around the time was like that was the one show I missed in that period. And um, Alan Cheapshot uh, was in in like uh, GPW circles at that point. He'd been doing some refereeing, uh, so we mentioned on uh, on Twitter a couple of memories of meeting him at that time. But the main thing people had to say about him was one, what a lovely fellow he was. Dick Feelgood said he learned so much wrestling with him. But the main thing people talk about is his merch table because he basically he, he turned up. Did his match, set up his merch table, and he was selling like, like black DVDs of like the best of the rock and the best of Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> and things like that. To, 
the unsuspecting <laughs> Wigan. I bet you he cleaned up that night. He was a, a worker through and through. His, uh, his merch table uh, <laughs> was legendary uh, in wrestling circles. But obviously, yeah, at that point, he did a lot of uh, British Indies too. Uh, in that period, it did a bit of a bit of 1PW. Uh, he was fucking everywhere. And, you know, apart from maybe the GPW promoter who wasn't happy with him with his merch table, I don't think anybody anywhere had a bad word to say about Tracy Smothers. And I know uh, you two, uh, especially UJP, were uh, were big fans of him back in the day. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I'll recommend it. Like, a match to go back and get used to, uh, to go back and watch. Great American Bash 90, Southern yeah. Boys Midnight Express. Just like... Five stars and brilliant. Grammy. Yeah, I mean, I can... I can absolutely like see why i must admit i haven't gone back and re-watched it it's always one of the ones that sticks out of my mind particularly from the early videos mm. they were kind of synonymous with the u.s tag team belts which were like it was strange i had two sets of tag team belts but like it was almost like the the world tag teams were kind of more like the steiners domain and the rest of it and they'd be feuding with with um i don't know doom or whoever Whereas the US tag titles were more like kind of that's what this the midnight express had kind of tra- transitioned into and they were just a staple of like WCW worldwide. Mm. And you'd see them on these videotapes. And in some ways, because I'd also seen the USWA stuff as well, like that kind of Southern tag stuff, I, I've always like had a real soft spot for anyway. And I think loads of kind of wrestling fans my age do. But it was, it was just how kind of good they were. And it's funny thinking back at what Tracy Smothers was like in that role as the kind of clean cut baby face. And then you remember the last thing I seen a bit of him was bits of the uh, shoot interview that he did with the best friends. I watched that this weekend as well. Oh, it's like, like it's a life well lived mm. within wrestling circles, and it's like there's parts of his career. So like that early part, like really sticks with me as part of my childhood. Mm. But then in my teen years, he was in the FBI in ECW. <laughs> like. I think he was like, was he billed from like Nashville, Italy or something along those lines? Like that him and Tommy Rich, uh, you know, in, in there. And that was just like kind of crazy. And then like um, it just appeared to be like you say about generationally. He worked with everyone mm. and everyone had those kind of good stories. And, and you know, he was someone who just sort of lived that pro wrestling. He, he just was like professional wrestler and worker to the absolute end, like you say. Like, and you can't, it's those stories that are so much more interesting than your big stars. It's like when you think of a football autobiography, Mm. the journeyman story is infinitely more interesting, infinitely more relatable, even if they are kind of like scuzzy around the edges, maybe. There's much more kind of rich story to them Mm. than, say, I don't know, like Wayne Rooney's autobiography, where you're like, well, really? What story are you going to tell? You know, (laughs) I went to the cinema with Colleen, stayed (laughs) home, and didn't vis- visit anywhere with a group of that anyway going, not going to go into that story <laughs> you know the one I mean um, and all the, and all the various things that were said about it so yeah he's he's just kind of like it, it, it's no age though 58 you still have to say it at the same time mm. um, and it's it's the kind of different matches he worked as well like you think like going back to say he was like a proper worker um and was really like kind of completely smooth in the ring. And then by the time in his, in his indie matches, he's working fucking all sorts. I've seen him doing some sort of mad kind of like 
brawls around the fucking arena, swearing at fans. And he would be quite funny, even if he is very offensive. Like, mm. he, he would say stuff to fans, and you're like, mate, like, can't say that. But everyone would always have these great stories to tell about him. So he's just like one of these colourful characters around wrestling. And it's sad he's gone. Mm. Yeah, I think, like you say, JP is, is very much, you know, for... You know, same as you, real staple of your early WCW watching because we're there where you were watching like, you know, International Pro or Worldwide or something like that. You weren't seeing Ric Flair every week, you know, you weren't seeing Sting every week. You were seeing your your US title, your TV title, you know, your US tag title people on there. And so you probably found him, you know, probably watched him like pretty much every week, every other week for, you know, quite a few years. And then I know like the famous match is obviously the... Um, the Great American Bash one with the the Midnight Express that you know people you know will rave about. I did watch it this weekend again, and maybe it doesn't hold up kind of thing with the memories a, a little bit. It's still a very very good match kind of thing, but I don't think it's the uh, four point seven five star that Meltzer gave it back in the back, back in the day. But um, I think one of the things with him that you know really jumped out was at that time when there were baby faces, it just felt very generic. That you know, for, they, they were sort of they were just very white meat baby face, you know, going up against the, the free birds seeming every week and that like face versus heel, like literally it felt like they had a few for about two years. But then, but I think then when they turned heel, then that's when you saw Tracy Smothers really come out. And, you know, I think it's testament mm. that like, you know, I'm thinking back to me being whatever, 11 years old or something like that. And I can still remember Tracy Smothers coming out of the screen so much more than Steve Armstrong once that that heel turn had happened because of the gift of the gab that he had, you know, the the the, the way in his promos that he, you know, he took, you know, he, he added that bit of arrogance and that bit of cockiness and, you know, it's he, sort of almost like tell little stories and things like that. And, you know, I think that's when, that's when you really saw that personality cut through with him really and then and i think that's sort of it's almost like his his legacy to some degree isn't it that mm. a lot of it isn't about the the wrestling almost to some to, to, to some degree it's that it's people talking about him and then watching him talk about his career and other people almost that's been you know, probably held him in that regard really for the last 10 15 years because you know whether it's shoot interviews or whether it's things like the documentaries that cabana did and things like that that he's on and and, and things like that he's, it was almost just like your kind of classic wrestling raconteur who'd been there in the early 80s and he's been there two years ago with the talent who's coming through you know recently and you know he's he's almost like he's had an impact on on everyone in between you know it, like i think when you were looking at the tributes about to him that were coming out, mm. yeah, you had your big name ones that you know your, your Bret Hart and your Mick Foley's and things like that. Who you think it's always good to see when you've maybe got someone like a Tracy Smothers who maybe hasn't been at the top of the card for a long run in a major promotion or something like that. That you know is still recognised by these people. But it was it was the more detailed stories that you had the likes of edge and cm punk and people like that talking about the the leg up it give them the advice it give them along the way you know tell you know telling them you know little you know stories or tweaking to the way that they were working and things like that as well and again you have kevin owens your sammy zanes and things like that and it's just you know i think it's kind of almost like a testament to him really that the the impact that he's had on 
you know probably three four generations of wrestlers there really that you know that 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 is you know if, if you think about his run there being at wcw at that time being in ecw at the time he was you know popping up in japan popping up in the wwe popping up in the iwa mid-south and things and all through like the the, the indie period as well he's literally been everywhere and you know he's, he's one of them people who you know great stories about him great storyteller and you know definitely going to be a real a real loss to the wrestling scene yeah that's it and that's the thing it's it's those it's those stories that, that like that was the, the i wouldn't want to say it was entertaining you know the the day that he passed but you know it was just like it was it was heartwarming the amount of like goodwill that that goes towards him like and that this is a wrestler who wrestled in a rebel flag and no, no one ever kicked off no one really kicks off about it um <laughs> you know it's funny like i mean obviously it's over over time and place and he's over time and place because i listen i watched that uh that best friends shoot the same as you jp and you know he was saying then you know it was just you think he was telling a story about how like when um when the cops in some racist town wanted to beat up new jack and the gangsters and they tried to get him involved in it and he was like dude it's just a gimmick like it's just it's just a flag that works of a southern boy like there's nothing to it and like, that's, all, that's all there is and like he's got but he's got so many stories like that where he's just like you know he's telling stories about like you know working in japan or like the thing that stood out to me about that best friends like shoot was him having story he know the fact that he knew the talent so well like gareth just said then he knows that generation you know he, he's talking about you know remember that time i saw you chuck you know back in the early 2000s the first time i watched you wrestle or at the time you had that big match eddie eddie because eddie kingston's uh sat in on the shoot as well and like eddie kingston you can tell just loves the bones of him like you can and you can tell every indie wrestler just loved the bones of him because i was watching iwa mid-south in that key period where Tracy Smothers was working there and getting to know the likes of Punk and Cabana and Hero and Kingston and and that generation and it wasn't really you know at that point he wasn't that old he wasn't that far removed from being on TV but it wasn't the in-ring that I was really bothered about Tracy Smothers it was all the shoot interviews that came out at the time where like where the wrestlers you like your punks and your cabanas and that would tell you know stories about him backstage and hilarious things he did in matches or like you said horrible things he said to uh, to people in the ring to uh, to get heat or you know you threatened to what was it mass made the genocide is that the line uh, that, he, that he threatened to do every every time uh, people try to chant tracy sucks and he was doing that right through to you know recently last last wrestlemania weekend he was on that that penis party the uh, show that we you know obviously we're not gonna all revisit too fondly these days but i watched a little clip of him there where he's just he's killing it on the mic uh all those those lines where he's saying things like oh yeah let's uh let's start slow and taper off from there um, let's have a technical <laughs> wrestling match and bore these idiots uh, off because they're, uh, they're calling me names. He's just, yeah, he knew what worked in every era and he recognised talent and he cultivated talent. And yeah, for me, it, it's as much what he did, you know, behind the camera that, that you'd hear about and all these stories as what he actually did in front of the, the camera that uh, sticks out in the memory for me. Yeah, and I think I think as well, you know, just other things like not referencing there again. And you know, I wasn't watching this at the time, but um, again, I I remember Smoky Mountain starting up and through the aftermags and things like that, and just seeing you know that Smoky Mountain was something that got got a lot of pages in 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 aftermags at the time because it, you know it probably was seen as like a third fourth promotion almost kind of thing at the, uh, as that developed, and you know, essentially they 
you know, they built the growth of that company around him and Brian Lee and Tony Anthony at the at the start there. And you know, you were very much seeing him at the at the top end, main event level there with with there and with them. And that seemed to like carry through for a for a couple of years. And and again, it was it was one of those that sort of felt a bit weird having seen him in WCW all that time to be given that platform. But you know, clearly in the early days at Smoke Mountain, it was something that they were they were doing some things there that were working very very successfully. Um, I think as well, one of the things I was, I was saying to you because before just having a having a random search on youtube for tracy smothers stuff and coming across like a 93 all japan match with uh, the team of stan hansen ted dibiase and tracy smothers going up against junakiyama kibashi and misawa and you're just like what a what a rant I, I was looking at that, i was thinking does this match really exist kind of thing and then you know i watched it and you know it was a, it was a good, it was good and enjoyable match but talk about i don't know almost where you talk about popping up in, you know, Indies, you're popping up in 1PW or something like that, IWA mm. Mid-South, right back early to being in USWA and WCW as well, but then also been in the ring with the, the likes of Kabashi and Masawa over there in all Japan at that time and things, you know, he's just like, God, he's uh, popped, up all over the, popped up all over the place there. And again, I think it was a it was testament there that it's say even in that match, you know, didn't look out of place at all, you know, but, you know, put on a, you know, real strong performance there as well. And it's just, um, yeah, just... Just, just, just really, really sad to see him go. But like you say, Benno, the, you know, it was that almost kind of celebration of his life, I suppose. On, you know, when it broke on Twitter and just seeing all these stories coming through and the outpouring of like love and support and admiration and things like that that people had, it was, uh, it was, it was just, uh, it was, it was just great to read. It felt more than you, than when you'll hear about like sort of an older wrestler dying and passing away. Mm. This was the one where I think for like. And this is probably the the big key to the kind of his legacy is the kind of open mindedness he seemed to have about working with people and working with younger talent, which isn't really a trait of his generation, is it? He's very much the exception and not the rule with that. I mean, there are people like sort of Ricky Morton and whatnot who are kind of you know peas in a pod in a sense who who, who kind of are the same way, but obviously he had kind of much bigger runs than what Tracy Smothers did, hmm. but you know. He loved wrestling and he he was kind of up for anything, wasn't he? Let's mm. face it, at the end of the day. And in terms of just like thinking back on matches that he had, like you mentioned earlier on about like, it was always the thing about when I first saw the Southern Boys thinking I should hate them, but I don't. And I can't quite work out why it is. And it would have been one of those points where you realise early on it's because they're actually quite good. <laughs> That's why. That's yeah. why you don't go. It's like Dustin Rhodes, how I felt in that very sort of early. It's like, I should dislike you because I really like Rick Rude, but I don't. And yeah, and, and, and you know, good, good luck to him. He seemed, you know, there's going to be a whole legacy for him. And good, he'll probably end up being put into the WWE Hall of Fame, I would imagine. Possibly. As long as they don't put him in as Freddie Joe Floyd, like as, as long as they don't do <laughs> Which that, is exactly what they will do. <laughs> Show clips of that Justin Hawk Bradshaw feud, you know. Um, <laughs> see, even I, we talk about this like the early nineties. Obviously, that was my my era was like near ninety five, ninety six. But even I was going was watching like the the nineteen ninety 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 one WCW tapes and those those matches like that. Even you know when they were the Young Pistols, like always stood out to me uh, as a kid. And that great that that Bash ninety match. Like again, similar to what you're saying there, JP. I didn't know why it was good. I just knew it was good, um, and it, it stuck with me ever since I saw that video for the first time at about 1995. Um, yeah, there, that's the stuff to, uh, to 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 search out. Not the uh, not the Freddie Joe Floyd stuff on the network. Yeah, 
Fuck that off, mate. Yeah, get that <laughs> early WCW in. There you go. It's what he would have wanted. It's what he would have wanted. And a bit of IWA mid south as well. There you go. Yeah, but he wouldn't want the credit either. That was the like you watched a bit of that f- best friends as well, didn't you, JP? And like you could, you'd be like, oh, you know, I work with this guy, um, Ricky Morton. Do you remember him? And like the rest of us, like of course we remember. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he never wanted wants to take it. He's like, you know, I worked as a, you know, when I worked uh, as a tag team and we were the uh, we were the we were the Southern Boys. Like yes, we know. From- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he just he, he didn't see it himself, did he? he was never never had an ego. He did, and you can kind of see them cracking up as well. But how relaxed they are in his company, like they kind of like mm. it's not like the best friends they do with, say, Teddy Hart, which has got this full room of people. It's like fuck me, Teddy Hart's in this room, and he's just like off on one. We're all going down for it, this. Yeah, yeah, it is. Which, if you look around the room, that appears to be very much the case. <laughs> um, Indeed. Um, but yeah, whereas with Tracy Smothers, there's a kind of affability to it all, isn't yeah. it? It's like the side of worker that you kind of enjoy. Yeah. Right? The kind of like the, the wrestler who, I mean, in some ways it's, it's, it's not quite Randy the Ram esque, is it? It's not like kind of bleak or anything else in there. It's just, you know, enjoyable, good fun. And I, I, you know, at some point I'll have a bit of a Tracy Smothers binge while in, uh, in lockdown. Yeah, check out check out those heel promos from when the Young Pistols turn in in, in ninety one. There's, there's there's some good stuff there. You really see sort of see the the start of a, of that character kind of popping out off the screen, and Steve Armstrong stood next to him, just looking like generic yeah. wrestler number two or something like that. Just could could be anyone, but that, that that's when you really get a feel for for uh, what what Smothers can do on the mic. He was a Rackner man as well, wasn't he? Was that Brad Armstrong? That was Brad, I think. That was Brad. Brad. Mm-hmm. Fuck me, those lads. <laughs> those Armstrong boys got around. Um, yeah, he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, while we're talking uh, recommendations as well, uh, if you want more on Tracy's mothers, check out. I know, I know it's Jim Cornette, but Jim Cornette's podcast this week is very good. Like, ignore the rest of it, but like the the hour and you know fifteen minutes or whatever it is that they put on YouTube, where he's talking about Tracy's mothers is, is must listen. Um, and that says everything. When the biggest indie wrestlers in the world are all raving about him, and also even Jim Cornette, you know, is raving about him as well. It shows the uh, the different bridges uh, Tracy's mother's uh, career crossed, and uh, the good impression left on everyone um but yeah i mean moving on i suppose you mentioned the uh, we mentioned the network there we should uh very briefly before we go on to talk anything else uh, did you hear the big news this week lads wwe's uh quarter three earnings were out and never mind the fact that they're still wildly profitable um and have uh, continued to uh, to set records for profits in a year where they released lots of wrestlers in a pandemic big news coming out of it is vincent mann's getting her uh, getting a netflix documentary four episodes which doesn't feel like it's enough to cover Vince McMahon, but, you know, some questionable mm. choices as, as to the people behind it, but, you know, there we go. We're going to get behind the scenes, JP. We're going to get to see uh, Vince McMahon, the true man the, that he is. Uh, definitely not going to cover up any stories. Definitely going to uh, cover everything the, that's, that's dark and bad in uh, Vince McMahon's career. I don't know. Have you, got any, have you got any faith in it being good? It's on Netflix and not on WWE. Uh, I thought you'd be excited, so I wanted to mention it. It'll be very well made. It's by Bill Simmons, who did the Andre documentary, which is which is very good. I wouldn't say it's great. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's it was it was it was good. It was like a good HBO sports documentary. Mm. I don't have any faith in this precisely because we're not. If they're involved, we're not getting the full story. Like mm-hmm. it, it, that's that's the simple truth of the matter. We're not we're not going to hear stuff about like him giving hundred grand over to someone to do with Jimmy Snooker, are we? We're not <laughs> getting that. Um, you know, there's 
And there's so many stories that they can go into. I fear it's going to go down the P.T. Barnum route of here he is, he's really wild and wacky, but isn't he entertaining? Mm. Rather than someone who actually is, you know, fundamentally evil in some ways. Mm. That's probably a bit harsh because there's a fair... He's not Vladimir Putin, for example, but that doesn't mean he's good either. And you can't help but feel their involvement is going to demand a certain amount of, of whitewashing in order to get the access. So that's the trade-off. Will there be moments of entertain, entertaining stuff? Possibly. They'll want to get. They'll give a kind of away what might be a few tidbits, but I can't see him being like sort of interviewed and explaining. And he'll do his Vince speak and bullshit his way out of it. And it will just be this kind of like wacky documentary. I feel I'm not looking forward to it because yeah, like I say, I just don't have any faith. It's gonna get to the heart of who he is yeah i i tried to watch um beyond the mat since this uh this came, this news came out i think it's got to be linked to the fact that i think beyond the mat constantly on the front page on uh, on netflix uh that was that thing must have done well and i thought oh, i'm in the mood for this on saturday night i've got a bit of spare time here i'll throw it on and i got as far as the drudge scene when he's making him puke in the bucket <laughs> and i was like this was just as a kid i thought this was great behind the scenes footage of wwe and it's like he doesn't turn off. This is Vince working the cameras here. Even the way he drinks water, like he drinks, he like he swigs it and like throws it round his mouth and then swallows it weird. And it's like you're just a fucking weird human being, but you're purely doing this for the cameras. Um, I, I imagine it's going to be more like that, where he knows the cameras are on and he's uh, he's going to be working towards them. Yeah, it's it, it's one of these where you just know from the the documentaries that they've had out on the the network you know recently and things like that whether it's the the undertaker one or some of the other ones it's just going to whether or not it's on the network or it's netflix for them to get that level of involvement it's just going to be just you know as light as fuck it's just going to focus on you know not going to get to the the heart of the matter on some of the worst bits about him as a human being and his his character he's just going to get all this powdered fluff about what a genius he is and you know things like that all these people talking um talking about it from that context and literally my only hope is that they produce something like that and then because it's on netflix and it's not on the network that you know more people are going to see it and then it triggers somebody to do Actually, no. I'm doing the real Vince McMahon documentary, and then on the back of it, we get a we get a real Vince McMahon documentary as opposed to the uh, the nice fluffy uh, Netflix one that I'm that I'm sure we're getting. And um, yeah, maybe uh, maybe telling us a bit more about women in cars with him, and you know, ring announcers and things like that from the uh, from the eighties and things. You know, they're the uh, they're, 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 that's the real side of a uh, Vince McMahon. A proper, a proper documentary should be digging into, and, and we know we, we know they won't. It'll be how I defeated the United States government and how I made a billion and, you know, what a genius I am and what have you. Here's Cindy Lauper. <laughs> well, we'll have to, for that one, I think we're going to have to wait for the day he dies, I think, as uh, Joe would always say. Maybe at that point we'll get the uh, the true story and the uh, the real skeletons will, uh, will come out. But uh, I don't know, while we're talking, Vince, yeah, definitely uh, Bix, uh, was it today that that went up to the, his, uh, his article about uh, Mel Phillips and uh, Linda McMahon uh, on the eve of the uh, the US uh, election? Uh, he's uh, he's put that out. That's an interesting read. Uh, if you get the chance, check out uh, David Bixon's. But what website was that on, JP? Did you know? Uh, is that Deadspin? No, it wasn't right. Deadspin. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you now. Ask me what's going on in Miami-Dade and Broward County in Florida, and I'm kind of there. At the minute, trust me, I'm keeping an eye out on those first set of exit polls. Please, <laughs> for one 
thing this year. Just give us something fucking good, all right? <laughs> Him, Lou, just something, one thing good, yeah? Does it always have to be a barrage of shit <laughs> with a cherry on top that you bite into, and in fact, that's full of shit as well. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, that's where you can get the uh, fixings for article. It's on a uh, Business Insider. Uh, you can get the link on his Twitter. He did a podcast with uh, with John Pollock. So highly recommended listening. Uh, talking about all the work that uh, that went into putting that article together. Um, but while we're talking to WWE, lads, I think we're gonna have to eat some crow here. I think we should uh, we should talk about the the big match of the week. Uh, I'd like to I'd like to say I've been looking forward to this, but you know after. Uh, Going on record uh, many times <laughs> over the years, including four years ago on that podcast with Martin about uh, this WWE UK, uh, NXT UK experiment. They were never going to have a five-star match, were they? It, it was never going to happen. Um, yeah, I think there actually might be one this week. I was I was close. I was close. I, 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 I saw the hype. I saw DeWitch Park give this thing five stars. I thought DeWitch Park's a hard man to please. I think both uh, Joe Lanza and Rich Crace over at Voices of the Wrestling, I think, have gone on record at saying five stars, if if not near five stars. I watched it wanting to hate it, this being uh, Walter Adelia Dragunov, and I couldn't hate it. If anything, I gave it 4.75 stars, and I'm wondering whether I should have given it five. Um, yeah, uh, if you haven't seen it, everyone, this, is, this isn't a rib, this isn't a, <laughs> a practical joke. NXT UK might have had the best match of the year this week. Uh, it, it was very un WWE. It was very Walter and Ilya. It was almost like you know all the agents had gone home, or like Shawn Michaels' video feed from uh, from America had uh, gone bust or something. Well, you know he plays like uh, Oz in the in the Wizard of Oz, uh, directing NXT UK from afar. All of that that was out the window, and yeah, got to eat some crow here. It was a very 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 good match that's when we do our top 10 matches of the year poll at the end of the year i think it's going to be quite highly paced i rated it as high as anything i rated in the g1 this year uh, higher even i gave it 4.75 stars and yeah it was it was just an incredible match don't know what it was the brutality of it the fact that it felt like a real fight the fact that they just never stopped working walter being the the monster that he is Ilya being the in incredible underneath babyface selling that he is but it just works so well and yeah i'm having to uh, to sit here on this podcast and, uh, and describe it as a as a near five-star match uh gareth you think see this thing twice now uh you, what did you give it on the app of uh, what's the and what's the trend at right now i saw when i gave it my rating it was exactly 4.75 stars but yeah there's a lot of 4.75s and a lot of fives out there right now for it yeah it's it's currently trending at you know, 4.7 off, um, and that's off 234 ratings that have gone in so far, and that's pretty much, you could probably aggregate every other rating that NXT's had for the, uh, (laughs) uh, NXT UK's had for the rest of the year, and it would probably amount to that same, uh, that, that same number of people rating it it just it just really shows what you know when when a great match is out there people will flock and they will, you know, they will watch and, you know, I've watched it a couple of times, and, I did go 4.5 initially, and I thought that was my ceiling because of the no fans, and there's probably that element of a bit of NXT UK bias in there for me as well. It was kind of, I don't know. I was, I was not wanting to, not wanting to <laughs> kind of like it as much as I did. But then when I watched it the second time, I was like, you know what, I've got to go, I've got to go four point seven five on this. I have to, you know, I have to nudge it up, and it was kind of a weird contradiction in a way because. While I was saying not having any fans there, 
sort of, I don't know, I almost place a ceiling on that and it stops me going like full five kind of thing. In another way, not having any fans there made it what it was because totally. of the sounds that were coming out there. So, you know, every chop, every elbow, every kick, you know, you heard it, you know, absolutely, you heard everything and it didn't need any fucking grandiose soliloquies from Walter or Dragunov staring at the hands and talking <laughs> about their backgrounds or anything like that because the fucking noises of the wrestling did the work for them kind of thing and just, you know, the 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 facials and the selling from Dragunov and and, um, you know, the, everything like that. Just what a what a great great match it was. And you know, again, I'm, I'm like you. It kind of pains me pains me to say it, really. But but I I, I fucking fucking loved it. You know, and uh, you know, I'll definitely. Uh, I, I know I know that I'll definitely go away and watch it again this week as well. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll get I'll give it another watch because I think in this year where we have been starved of absolute elite level wrestling it's something that's you know shone through right at the end of the year and consequently it is going to be up there for me when it comes to match of the year lists i've got it because i was ready to argue with you because i'd seen you say that in our group chat about how the um the, you know you had to see them on it because of the crowd and that was my take i actually that's why i, I did the same it's funny i did the exact we're spending too much time together i gave it four and a <laughs> half and then i thought about it and gave it 4.75 because i was like I don't think it's true that it actually that it that it was hurt by the lack the lack of crowd. It was bettered by it. It was the, they used it. They like you said the noise of the thing, the fact that the constant motion that you prop. If there was a crowd there, I think they would have been tempted. You know, they still would have worked the same style of match, but you're tempted to show out a bit more. You're tempted. You know, Ilya hits a big move. Maybe he shows off to the crowd just for for that second to get that pop. Walter stops for that second to get those cheers going for Ilya. You know, not big moments, but you know, little moments that would have changed the pace of the match. But instead, without the crowd, they went the opposite way. And they, they again, work to their strength, which is hard-hitting. We've seen that in MT Arena wrestling, you know, this entire year. It's always better when it's a hard-hitting match, you know, and we got that here. It's always better when you can... It's like watching... Remember those early UFCs, JP? You know, the first time UFC yep. went wrong with no crowd. And you could literally hear the fella's head getting kicked off. And it did make... You know, whether that's a good or a bad thing, it did in a way make the presentation even better and you got that here and I even yeah I'd even go as, as far as to say it, it it changed the way the matches work too I think they the two wrestlers who aren't lazy and they're always going to be working in a match but I think they went that step further here where there wasn't a moment for you to be bored there was somebody was constantly doing something even if there was a even if it was in a way a rest hold they were both working and both moving and Ilya was trying to fight up and Walter was having to to keep him down and like yeah if you watch this thing and I've seen it twice now watch that paste watch the it, it is literally pure momentum it's just, it doesn't feel like it should be but it's actually in some ways as fast a paced match as you'll ever see because because of that because they haven't got a crowd and you can tell it's a purposeful decision and I'm even questioning now whether I should have given a 5 JP because really considering the circumstances was this not a perfect match like I, I struggle to find any any anything I can pull at it and say no this is the reason I'm not giving it five other than as Gareth said cowardice and you know maybe a little bit of a NXT UK bias in there <laughs> yeah and I'm heavy with that I'm heavy with the NXT UK bias so my, if I tell you my rating you're going to be like and I, I know I need to go back and watch it uh, I went 4.25 but that's with a proviso of, I'm going to go back and watch this again and it might have been because I hated everything on that show pretty much up to that point. It was bad. <laughs> yeah. And it was bad. And and I, and it, and so 
in some ways, the aesthetic, like the things I dislike about the match are actually things that are not really about the match itself. Mm. They're things like the commentary. Yeah. They're things just like the overall presentation and the, and the aesthetic and the kind of relentless use of the immigrant story and, and, and this type of stuff. And you talk about like in terms of like what they did with the agents. They let, they let Walter and Elia must have just put this together because this just felt like classic Walter yeah. of the bullying heel who is also absolutely relentless. And that's where you always get that kind of great momentum from him because he doesn't stop. He's your ultimate boss villain and he's constantly going at you. And, and like Elia is a baby. I mean, it was just like kind of you bring about happy memories really as much as anything else and thinking of the times we were in um, Oberhausen watching mm. like the big moment when... Ilya came out. We weren't there for the carrot win that he had, and and I go, yeah, you did a, a a sort of a bit of a a, a rewatch with 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 that match as as well. And I, I do admit I'd like to go back and and see it. So, but I think, and so that's not really a reason. I go into this heavily saying that like of all the thing, I don't want to sidetrack away from the match. NXT UK is like the brand I've all, arguably got like the biggest problem with, more so than anything than anything else. And and you'll see from match earlier on that. It's your brand. brand. <laughs> it's our brand, your brand, everyone's brand. All right, if it's my brand, can I kill it then? Can I drown <laughs> in the fucking bathtub? Because even because of this match, it'd be just like, you two go free, rest of you, down it. Like, it, it yeah, it, it, it felt like, um, it, it, in some ways, it just existed in that kind of vacuum. But I'm doing away from the match itself, which has just sort of brilliantly worked. And it's all the things that you guys have said, where the empty arena kind of, Worked and it felt like watching UFC, mm. and it felt like when I'd seen boxing on BT Sport in that same uh, arena where Jay Humphreys also does Champions League coverage. I imagine tonight as well mm. uh, in there. But it, it, so I'm not. I think the things about like the match itself is brilliant, and I and I'd probably suggest that it would be if I go back that I'll end up altering the rating and mm. probably going higher on it. I kind of wanted to sit and think on it and. It doesn't help that the show on the whole leaves a bad taste in my mouth. So I'm kind of almost thinking of this match in a vacuum. And I know, like, again, that's nothing to do with the match. And this is all full of personal biases and the rest of it. But that's the reason I've gone on the, on the rating I have. 4.25 is still a good rating. You know, you're not saying it's two stars, it you know? Like, that, like historically, that would be one of the best isn't. matches in wrestling history, wouldn't it? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, but, I, you know, I agree with you. Like, it's the external things that, that, that are a problem. Mm. Like, the commentary is fucking awful. Like, Nigel, like, I was, I was like, his last remaining defender, I think, last year. Like, and I've just, I've, I've got no defense to Nigel Vigilis anyway. I hate him on commentary. I can't listen to him. If I could mute the commentary, I would have. Um, it's those external things that really that, that you know, I'm not going to pull the match down for them. Like, I, it, it, the thing about this match is, you know, when people are surprised or raving about an NXT UK match, like, I'm not saying this to, like, stick the knife in NXT UK anymore, but this couldn't be less of an NXT UK match if you watch that product weekly. And I don't watch it weekly, but I'll tune in for a couple of weeks at a time to catch up before we do a BWE. You know, after the undercarders, as I, as I said on the last BWE, they're just all terrified. They're all like, all they're thinking about is shit, where's the hard cam? Shit, where's the hard cam? Oh no, I better, you know what I mean? I better, I better fit in this WWE pattern dialogue into my promo. And they're all just so happy to be there that they're terrified to put a foot long. Or you've got like a, a Jordan Devlin who's on under, undercard to this, who, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not one to talk. I put a bit of lockdown weight on, but he looked terrible. Yeah, like, <laughs> he yeah, did. I think. Got he was moving awfully like his the the, the he had about six blown spots in his match terrible like 
all fine. There's other things going on with Jordan Devlin that are probably the reason for that. But, you know, that was bad. Rest of the show was bland, your normal bland as fuck NXT UK. But this main event, just like you said, it looked like it was dropped from another planet. It was not... It didn't look WWE agented in any way. Maybe one spot where, where you know, at the very end where Ilya kind of collapsed to his feet, um, you know, after, after selling all match. And I can live with it in a match like this. That felt a little bit Shawn Michaels. But other than that, it, this felt completely not NXT UK. If anything, it felt like the type of match where if next week in The Observer we get a news story from Meltzer saying uh, WWE are fine, Walter and Ilya for like the head drop on the outside, I'll probably go five stars. I'll probably give them the extra .25 stars for, for, for doing that and doing what they want because that's the extent of like, it felt like the liberties they took with the, the 20 minutes that they got here. Um, that's how on WWE this match was. I mean, you're, you're, you're saying that about it just uh, it not not been a NXT UK match or not been a WWE match and you know it, it literally was the least WWE match of the year yeah, and not just NXT and UK subse- is it and, and subsequently it is the best WWE <laughs> match of the year which is it's a fact you yeah. know and that, and that is it was completely wrestled in a non-WWE style it was wrestled in a if we were in Germany or if we were in the glory days in Camden or wherever kind of thing. This is a match that you might have seen worked in that particular way, worked in that style. It's like the whole, you know, the whole WWE system went out of the window and and it it, it delivered as a as a result. And you know, we shouldn't have any surprises about that, really. Mm, no. Yeah. It, it's just that you know when they when they were having the mat when when they were wrestling, I was completely engaged by it. Whereas if you go back to like the first match on it, with like you've got Eva Valkyrie and Danny Luna. They're throwing up. She's throwing up weird fucking hand singles up to the, the hard cam. And it's like, what the fuck is all this about? Like absolute nonsense and verbiage. And these two just were like, yeah, fuck that. We're not looking at the hard cam. And by God, it felt like, like it felt more like a fight as a result. Mm. And it kind of had so, like, just so much to it. Um, however, knowing that fundamentally they've got that WWE gene in them they'll find a way of ruining this soon enough. So, like, investment in the product? Fuck that. That's not happening. Mm. There's, there's no way that that is happening. Um, and when will they be able to have a chance? Like, I mean, but are they going to put this on, like, a, a kind of an NXT show at some point in the US if they can ever get them over to there? I mean, I don't see how they capitalise on this. Mm. Maybe well, it's just me. But. Well, I mean, I mean, one of, the things, one of the things for me that I've, like, written down here is that, like... You just hope that the level of buzz that this has generated for them, you know, on their social media metrics and things like that, they're going to see a big spike in people watching NXT UK. They're just they're going to have to because of the buzz that's that's happened, you know, this week as a result of the match, the the way people have talked about it, you know, and and that's not just looking at things like that you know i'm looking at grapple ratings a number of people who've rated the match match on on there it's you know it's it's absolutely shut up from what you'd normally expect for not just nxt uk but wwe at the moment can't you know there's there's more people rated this match than have been rating pay-per-view matches for for wwe pay-per-view main events and you know i'm you know you're looking on cage match as well and seeing the number of people rating things on there and you know it's done the same on cage match as well if you know the the a bit of spike in people rating things there and this is that kind of like great wwe anomaly because if this was 
like a genre of music and say, I don't know, it's the mid nineties and Nirvana have hit and it's, they've knocked Michael Jackson off the top of the charts. And then all record companies out there, they're saying, okay, let's replicate Nirvana, follow the money basically kind of thing. Let's, let's get another, you know, let, let, let's find another one. Let's have a bit more of this kind of thing, because this is going to generate us more viewers, generate us more money. If it was Mackey's and they've brought out a special edition burger, that's everyone's buying kind of thing. And it's exceeding expectations and things like that. They're going to keep it on the menu or they're going to bring it back on a more regular rotation or something like that, because that's what any normal sensible fucking business would do. They would see that there's a, a product there's a demand for it so what do we do yeah we give people more of what they want not these fucking shit houses they'll fucking turn around now like you say you'll probably find out that they'll get bloody fined for it for doing something that was like for fell out of the you know what was what was planned or they'll now get told yeah this was good but maybe let's go away and slow it down don't do this many head drops in the match maybe pull back on some of those strikes we don't want to see uh marks on people's bodies or things like that maybe if you work like this watch a few of these randy orton dvds or something like that then we can you know we can we can improve on 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 this match and make it make it better because we'll do it do it in our style and if that is what happens, then they're just fucking morons because surely they've got to understand that not all markets that consume their products are the same and they must know, they must see that NXT UK has just been shit on largely by the UK audience. And it's not just people like us who are, you know, wrestling nerds who are watching everything under the sun and, you know, we're, you know, whatever, you're making your comparisons with Japan or different indies and all, and, and all this you only have to look at the ticket sales for some of them recent TV tapings and things like that. Those all them shots was it at Coventry there where there was fuck all people in the crowd and they're having to like tarp it off and things like that. Mm. They, what they've been given here is they've been given an indication of how they can make NXT UK work for the the British audience, but the global audience because it's pe- the people that are talking about NXT. You, your melters, your you know your voices are wrestling, your post wrestlings and things like that. People are talking about NXT who wouldn't wouldn't have, have have ordinarily been been talking about it. And there's plenty of wrestlers there on the on the roster that we know they can go because we've seen them in the Indies have great fucking matches. And that's one of the reasons why we're so down on NXT UK is the fact that we know how good some of these people are, and then just not being given the opportunity to go out there and put on the style of match that we're used to seeing them have and that we know that they can have and instead they're having to work under this homogenized wwe process and that's tanking with tanking you know as a for our brand you know our brand in reality should be about having the best of our talent and going out there and putting on the type of matches that made the British scene have that buzz in the first place that made these guys be good enough that people wanted to pay to watch them and um, and perf- perf- perform. And this really should be a almost like a line in the sand for them to go, you know what, let's follow this strategy. Let's have a few more Walters and Ilias. And, you know, you look at the most popular things that NXT UK have done, and it has been things like when, you know, Walter Tyler Bate at, mm. you know, at, at TakeOver. You go you, you go all the way back to that tournament in Blackpool. That wasn't wrestlers wrestling WWE style. That was wrestlers wrestling UK indie style and putting on excellent matches there. Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne on that NXT yeah. proper show in Chicago. Was that a WWE, WWE match? No, it was a English independent wrestling match that was given a bit more time and a bit more profile. If they followed that route... 
I would fucking eat crow. I'd, I'd watch NXT UK if they actually let some of these guys go out and perform in this way on a more regular basis and put on the kind of matches that um, that that people want to see. But have I got any faith in that happening? Have I? Fuck. You know, there's no way. You know, next week it's going to be fucking... It's no dollar naked. That's the yeah. main event next week. Follow that, lads. <laughs> Well, fuck. What's the main event next week? No one dar against Akid. I mean, poor Akid, like, but, you know, come on. He pulled some muscle, hasn't he? He appears to have sort of aged a bit in his time in Enfield, which can happen to you if you've gone to Enfield. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's it. It will will be back to that. It will be back to Ashton Smith on the undercard, you know, getting in his WWE spots. It it is not... It's not this, is it? And, you know... you're right to point out, Gary, because I, I actually, you'd be proud of me. I used the grapple filter to have a little look at like what the other highly rated <laughs> matches were from NXT UK, and it is, it's you know, Devlin and Bate, you know, in Cardiff. Uh, there's a couple of like Ilya matches. There's that. There's a few tag matches in there with Mustache Mountain and James Drake and Zach Gibson. You get a, few, a couple of four star matches in there, you know, with your Jordan Devlin versus Pete Dunne of the world, a couple of Cassio Sono matches. But the overwhelming glut of matches from NXT UK is two stars, two stars, two stars, two stars, two stars, two stars isn't it? And okay, yeah, they, they you know they did they they peaked at times for takeovers, um, and there are people out there who, who will say you know there were matches like was it Joe Coffey and Pete Dunne that I think we all hated that was you know was loved by some circles, um, and they have had big moments, but it, it never comes to anything, and it's never never anything. We're eating, you say we're going to eat crow, we'd eat crow if it was good. We're eating crow now, you know. <laughs> I've got no problem yeah. with it with giving this you know four point seven five stars, and you know, and happily saying it is probably going to be the WWE if not this year. It's probably the best WWE match of the last, what, three or four years, five years? Um, I, I might go as far as to say that. Uh, and it happened on NXT UK. So, you know, despite the presentation, despite the commentary, despite the show it was on, you know, this still existed and was fantastic. Uh, I would just, you know, yeah, if we saw more of it, it would, that's always been the point, hasn't it, JP? Like with NXT UK. Mm-hmm. We do hate on it, and I do take the piss. And, you know, I'll have a... It's always good for a few likes on Twitter to dunk on NXT UK. I'll admit that. But at the end of the day, if it was at least good, it'd probably be, you know, it wouldn't be worth, you know, the, the problems that we've had in, uh, in Brit Res these last few years. And, you know, obviously there are other big factors this year that have caused problems in mm. Brit Res. But, you know, it would almost be worth NXT UK homogenizing the likes of progress and that if it was actually good. You know, if it was good, we could kind of all go, okay, yeah, we're not happy with what happened, but, you know, we've got this good product instead. That's just not what we've got, uh, I think, is the issue. If it was stockpiling all the talent they were having great matches and that was the issue is that they were doing that, then that would be, it's an issue, but in a very different way. You have all this talent and you're wasting it mm. for, the, for the most part with the odd match that comes around that's really good, but nothing storyline or creatively that's kind of engaging. I mean, this was the most simple of stories. Mm. This is probably, this is David versus Goliath. is one of the original stories is what they've used here and mm. that works. But, you know, the Hunt's turning heel. Is that their names? I don't know. I pay enough attention. I was like, I was just like, they came in the ring. I was like, oh, they're turning heel. And they turned heel. And it was like, okay. And then thought, Eddie Dennis is at the gym. Big fucking time, isn't he, as well? But like everything else is so absolutely throwaway. It doesn't really suggest, and I'm kind of convinced that like Walter and Elia put large swathes of this together themselves. If not the whole if, thing. If, Yeah, if not the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Then in that case, for me, this is still something that's going to exist in a vacuum. And Mm. 
the reason why we shit on it and the reason why we shit on WWE in general is they produced generally a terrible product for the best part of two decades. Mm. Like the vast majority of two decades, if we're all going to be honest with ourselves. Yep. I think the amount of actual great moments that are there. That's why they don't get any time. That's why I don't subscribe to them. I mean, I, I watched this on the BT app and I've been avoiding it for fucking months watching it on the BT app or however long it is since they've come back. And I don't have to do anything. I don't have to pay. I don't have to do any work. Like, and I still, and I still find myself going like, put, comes on like, oh, for fuck's sake. I don't know who the other commentator is. The not Nigel McGuinness, as I think he's called. Is, it, is that a lad from Blue Peter? Yeah, whatever his name is, that guy. Andy Peters or something like that. Not Andy Peters. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Shepherd, that's it. If it was Andy Peters, that'd be good. I'll be up for that. But then you go the whole hog and said Andy Peters. Oh, all right, we're going to, you know, here's some all Japan from the 90s. Get yourself swatted up. <laughs> if you could imagine it. Because I was thinking, was that lad from Blue Peter? He's probably like just a bit slapping each other a bit here. Is there one of them going to hit each other with a chair or something like that? You know, I was kind of expecting like how fucking clueless this lad was going to be. So, me being completely condescending towards him. But it's not him. It's not a lad from Blue Peter. Who's inex- inexplicably taught calling an Ah, they're all the same. <laughs> all, all I thought with him, it, well, it's not Nigel. There's Nigel McGuinness, and then there's not Nigel McGuinness. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but it. as a product, will I be watching next week? Absolutely not. No. I mean, where you, t- where you say about that, like JP with it been in the vacuum, you know, that was something else that I was thinking about was that, you know, I've said that it was the least WWE product, but I can imagine now that with the buzz that has been generated where they are, you know, while they'll still want to iron out things and homogenize performance to be more WWE, there'll be people there in the back and they'll be patting themselves on the back about, oh, look at this, NXT's doing great and, you know, everyone's talking about NXT and, and aren't we great kind of as a, as, a, as a back of it. But this match wasn't great because of NXT UK. It was great in spite of NXT UK and and... I watched this in absolute isolation. I didn't have the pleasure of watching the Jordan Devlin match or the other match that you talked about before. I literally turned this on and went straight to, you know, straight to the main event because that's all I'm bothered about watching. Mm. I haven't watched NXT UK for, you know, I've maybe watched two episodes probably in the last four months or five months probably if I'm been, you know, if I, you know, been been realistic there so my enjoyment of this match didn't come because of the build or the storyline or anything like that it was literally just having ring the bell and here we go two outstanding wrestlers just put on an outstanding wrestling match for me with zero zero wwe's nxt uk like injection into this match kind of thing and you know that's one of the things that just stands out to me this this match you could have just plucked them to from anywhere and just put them in any ring in the world kind of thing and go out and have that match whether there's a crowd or not and them two are just going to perform and I think it was one of the things you referenced it there JP had gone back and just done a bit of a rewatch of their other matches this weekend because I was thinking am I been overboard am I again am I been like just thinking oh because there's rest there hasn't been that much great wrestling this year like maybe I'm just going over the top here and things so I went back and I watched the the carrot final from 2017 I watched the world title the three-way with, with John Klinger from, from 2018 and watched that Superstars a wrestling match they had in 2018 as well and I've got to be honest I came that was probably at the point where I nudged this up to 4.75 because I came away thinking you know what I know I wasn't in the building for them so I haven't got the live bias or mm. anything like that but 
on, you know, on a rewatch, watch side by side. This was better for me than all of them as a, as a just a wrestling, you know, a wrestling match kind of thing that you're taking it on face value, watching it on, watching it on your, on your TV. So, you know, I'd kind of, I'd implore anyone out there, you know, there's if any doubt as to watching this and you're thinking that it's, you know, you don't believe the hype and it's not going to stand up. Like it really, really does like, you know, definitely, you know, go out and just, just watch it. It's a, it's a near five star match. Like I say, we've all got our opinions on NXT UK. We've made them clear here. But if you take anything from Grapple as an app or this podcast, the match recommendations, this is this is one you need to see, and you will have a strong opinion on it. And I, I want to do that. I want to go back and actually, you know, we went we went live at the uh, the singles match three years ago with Walter and Ilya, but you know the people there all gave it five stars, and I loved it. I think this was better. Um, to saw them both on take the three way. Yeah, I think there was a bit of live bias there. I think it was a great moment, um, and there was a lot of good stuff. But the three way, three ways are only ever so good, anyway. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I think this was uh, based on memory. I think this was better. Uh, and again, it took place in NXT UK, so that says everything that we're uh, recommending it so highly. The clo- the closest for me was that was actually the superstars of wrestling match in in two thousand and eighteen. I thought I thought so. So the last of those three, that that one, you know, that felt like. The best of the three, and 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 as I was kind of sitting back and thinking about this one in a bit more detail as well, I think it was Ilya that's improved so much across those. And obviously, he was only young, like 2017. He was maybe what like 24 or something like like that. And and I think you could really tell that you could see the cha- the the difference, the improvement in Ilya. I thought between this particular match and the the ones going back three years, you know, his, his, his selling just seemed better. His, uh, you, you know, a lot of his offense just seemed just that bit, I don't know, crisper and, you know, heavier, just looked a bit more hard hitting and thing, things like that. Um, you know, I think, um, I think it was, it was, you know, certainly something that, that, that stood out for me and, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd t- tell anyone to go and do the same. I mean, like I literally, you know, I haven't had a WXWX subscription for a while, but I just went and, you know, got it for this weekend and thought, right, let's, let's go and hammer a lot through November as well after this and, you know, catch up and watch various things. But for seven quid, it's uh, for, for the month of November, watching them three matches alone was well worth seven quid, especially when you're not going to, to live shows or, or, or anything like that. So yeah, had uh, again as as well as watching this match, I'd, I'd totally suggest that anyone else does the same. And yeah, go go and watch it as a little series. And I just have to reference as well, um, Ian Hamilton of uh, Back Body Drop. He he had an article on Four One One Mania um, this week, which basically he's gone through them all himself and he's sort of, you know summarised them and rated it himself and you know done done a little review. And it was a it was a great little read after I'd gone back and watched the matches as well, just to see that that slant on it as well. So definitely recommend um, recommend people to check that out too as uh, as well because it was a it was a it was a cracking little uh, little review article for me. Definitely, yeah. Well, worth worthwhile just to put things into context as well. Um, if you want to talk on uh, on NXT UK or WXW, Ian Jaman, uh, we've actually got him. Another plug there. We've got him coming up on British Wrestling Experience uh, next week as our, as our guest. I hope he knows that. I hope Martin's oh, already told him. Uh, if not, Ian, you're coming <laughs> on the podcast next week, mate. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely check that out too. Uh, and again, yeah, you know, high praise. And I think I think the answer there to to what you're saying there about Ilya, you gotta think it just must be that NXT UK trainer. That's what's made Ilya. <laughs> <laughs> the wrestler that he is today. That's what's uh, changed things. Mate. Enfield, different mate. places they changed the one-way system around the town. <laughs> Very different. Where stars are born. <laughs> Enfield, UK. Exactly. With the streets. I think Ray Winston lives around there. 
which is not very surprising for anyone who's ever been to Enfield. Well, we're raving about it to Unit Arena Wrestling. Then should we we keep the party going? But uh, we haven't checked in in yeah. a while with uh, with Ring of Honor. You know, their old their uh, pure title tournament that um, me raving about in the first few weeks encouraged Gareth to put on Grapple, and then you know for maybe about six weeks we just didn't talk about it again. <laughs> it was too long season. Look, we we got distracted. Uh, I did go back. I know you did as well, JP, and I've uh, I've caught up with the TV. I watched the last three or four weeks and pretty much a big block. And uh, they had the final this week of the. Uh, the pure title match, and you know, <laughs> I enjoyed this tournament, but I can't help but look at Grapple and notice Gareth gave it two point seven five stars. I gave it three, and JP gave it three point two five. So, with the reverse yeah. on this one, JP, you're the high man. <laughs> this being uh, Jonathan Gresham and Tracy Williams. Uh, to be honest, this was not a, a tournament of like standout matches. It was about the presentation. It was about the character yeah. work they did in the promos. The style is the style that maybe, you know, somebody would taste like a Jamesy might well rate a lot highly than us, you know, us morons here. But yeah, <laughs> there's a ceiling, I think, for that style. Um, although, you know, maybe Walter and you showed that there's a, there's ways you can get around that ceiling. Um, but yeah, it all uh, it all finished off this week. Uh, did you do the same thing as me then, JP? Did you uh, did you binge it and, uh, and catch yourself up for the uh, the big final and Jonathan Gresham's crowning as the uh, the pure champion uh, with that old belt? I love that they brought the old belt back. They had Kerry yeah. Silk and uh, bring it back, scratched and all, in it's all its silver glory. The old classic pure title uh, that was fun. But yeah, you uh, you caught up then, did you? Last few weeks on the on the last couple mm. um is what i watched and there was lots of because i can remember when you were talking about it at the time and there was a lot of things that you were saying about like how much you enjoyed that first episode and i was just like yeah but it's ring of honor and i haven't <laughs> enjoyed ring of honor for quite some time mm. so going into this like immediately the pace of the as a television product as a one hour television product i think it's actually very good mm. i think it's very sort of focused it's it's quite tight the way like just the overall look and feel, the way they've set that up made them look, it was better than Impact, better than what WWE were doing in the Performance Center in those early weeks as well. I mean, like the entire kind of aesthetic of it was something I could completely get on board with. Um, and it had that kind of overall quality to it. And it's the kind of thing where you're thinking, all right, Ring of Honor in this oversaturated market, this is kind of part of the USP. Whether or not people like it, like, the idea of the kind of code of honor as being part of the USB and having matches that are based primarily around wrestling. Um, like those are the things where they've kind of gone back to. And I think in one of the promos, Jonathan Gresham mentions about how ring of honors lost its way to which I immediately thought, no shit, John. Um, I've spoke to you about that personally myself, like, <laughs> it, it, but on the whole, this did feel like it was getting something back. And I think as an overall tournament, it did well because there were several new fresh faces that they could always do with in terms of good people like Fred Yehi and Russ Taylor being involved in the tournament, having like a David Finley about there as well. All of those kind of things I re like, I really, really liked. And it what like in even simple things, I know I'm kind of avoiding necessarily the matches, <laughs> the graphics, because you think to yourself, pure title rules, there's a time limit. There's the rope breaks. But I thought they dealt with all of that stuff really well in a kind of having the like blocks that would disappear every time like someone would use a rope break. And so I kind of liked it with the time in there as well. I was like, oh, actually, this is something that I could really kind of like get on board with. 
Um, and they use brief replays when they cut back. So it's clearly on the TV side. They've spent some proper time working this out. I'm assuming Delirious has nothing to do with this side of it. Um, but it, it was like, and I went through the grapple ratings as well, you know, and you could see like in the, like you mentioned about the matches, they're kind of really, I mean, I think the, the match I liked the most was the Tracy Williams, Jay Lethal one, but I did really like the Josh Woods, um, Gresham one as well in the mm. semi-finals. I thought there were a couple of good matches and I think that might be the issue is that the final for this, like I went 3.25 probably because I was wanting to like it, but there were just things about it that I didn't like at all. Like, was it just me or were they moving so slowly at points it just looked like they were letting themselves put holds on each other? Like it had that kind of look to it. And it was like, oh, that looked bad. Whereas I didn't feel that on the week before. Like I really didn't feel that with the with the um, Gresham Woods match, which I thought was worked really nicely. Instead, in this, like I'm going straight to the final. Um, like it, it just like I said, there was like some good moments. The way Gresham uses size, like when he did a German suplex and he kind of bends back on his knees, it just felt sl- slightly different. And these, and I like the idea of him going with Gresham as a big character because it feels like he is the kind of stable wrestling rock that they mm. need in that company as someone who can provide good matches at the top of the card yeah, and they need it and I, and I always think his size is something that you should be bigging up because as a wrestler that low center of gravity kind of makes sense and he's big as well it's not like he's you know big in the sense that he's like kind of muscular and physical so the idea of him getting you down all those kind of things i like about that and he his promo ability is just that little bit better it's not it's never going to be a strong suit but those things are better However, in this match, it just, like, they built up this rope break storyline and then it just sort of ended. They just sort of went to the ox- to octopus stretch and it was like, oh, right, it's, it's just over, is it? Mm. After all of that. And they'd done some stuff on the outside which felt kind of silly and forced near the beginning. And there was this whole kind of staring intense at each other because we're both part of the foundation. We want to win it, but we've also got a code of honour to go by as well. So there was lots of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so it was like, as a final, I have to say it was a disappointment. I've probably been generous on it because I've kind of enjoyed the overall two weeks. Uh, apart from things like the EC3 stuff, which was just shit. <laughs> yeah, you've noticed that on the TV in the last few weeks, like when I was catching up, when they haven't had two big tournament matches to feature, they've they've started bleeding in like more character stuff and the Taven stuff. And there was an EC3, the random... I like EC3. I don't think Ring of Honor is the worst mm. stuff off for him. But like just a rando six-man um, to build up his Shane Taylor feud that kind of... <laughs> wasn't really needed um yeah that, that, that presentation side that i loved did slip mm. um but you know what you mentioned there about the matches and about the you know the rope break thing i had that same thought with this match this is the problem with pure style rules you know i first time we talked about this you know as gareth said at the time i had a gleam in my eye and i was back to talking about the uh, the good old days but like i said on that show make no mistake i was never a fan of the pure division like nostalgia is a funny thing you know i didn't i didn't like oasis in the 90s but you know as i've grown older i've got a real nostalgia for oasis now um what's the, old is new yeah fuck, fuck off <laughs> <laughs> but like is that fuck off because i liked them or fuck off because i didn't like them <laughs> the, the last the because because you do now all oh, right oh fair enough <laughs> is that Mate, a liberal thing Oh, oh. Oh, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy a bit of Oasis these days. Never did in my day. But, um, yeah. With the... 
Definitely no intros or outros. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll get it in, JP. Don't worry. Once he goes to bed. Um... We play Little James, the one that Liam wrote. That's particularly <laughs> fucking awful. There you go. Well, you fucking in the bushes. That's uh, That was Nigel's theme in ROH. Yeah, yeah. Tie in there. There you go. Zappin and Gareth, you did it. I wasn't even thinking on one of those terms. Oh, <laughs> um, but what I was going to say was, this was always the issue. They, got, they, they made this pure belt. And it was supposed to be for pure wrestlers. But really, you know, no closed fists and you only got three rope breaks. Does that really enforce a, a very different style? So then every match would do this. Every match would be like, oh, he's only got one rope break left. Oh, they both lost the rope breaks now. Now what? And it got boring after a couple of years and it, it just didn't work. Um, and I think maybe there's a little bit of that here. I think I, if it was more like explicitly... This is UWFI style, you know, however you do that, you know, Bloodsport style. And a lot of the matches kind of leaned in that direction, but the actual rules that they inherited and, you know, very slightly tweaked do give you a ceiling, I think, for, for these types of matches. So, yeah, I do think the novelty wore off a little bit. And, yeah, you know, as I said at the start, Gareth, you're the, uh, you're the extreme low man on this. Didn't even give them the gentleman's three. You went 2.75. So, yeah, I'm excited to hear what you made of this one. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, that was on purpose as well, that I was thinking, oh, this is a gentleman's three match, and I think, no, it's not. It's slightly less than a gentleman's <laughs> three match. So I was, I was making a point there of the 2.75. I was, I was, uh, there was definitely a, definitely a clear thought process oh, of chipping man. away that 0.25. But honestly, I, I, I honestly haven't got much to say about this at all because I, I watched it. I've watched it just before we recorded tonight. I haven't watched, you know, okay, fair dues i haven't gone into it watching any of the rest of the tournament i've literally thought go on let's just watch the final kind of thing because i know we're going to be talking about it today and i was pretty bored for the majority of it and that's me saying that as someone who this style of wrestling is probably more up my street you know if you were kind of you know you know you were you were looking at you know the wrestling style and gresham is somebody who i've well, you know, while I wouldn't say he's, he's one of my favourites, he's someone who I've enjoyed a lot of what Gresham has done over the over the last few years. You know, particularly when I've seen him live and things like that as well. I think, you know, but this, I mean, JP alluded to it previously about it. It was so slow, and it, it just looked like I don't know whether this is just as a consequence of the fact that I've watched so much Ilya and Walter over the weekend, mm-hmm. kind of thing, going back and and, and watching the the WX. W matches as well as the the NXT one, but it just looked like they were playing at it rather than actually wrestling. You know, th- th- those points where I just felt like Gresham's just sliding holds on and off, and it looked like they were playing through the holes rather than like applying the holds. You know, it wasn't like someone was actively working hard to counter. It was just a case of like, oh, this is on you, and now now we slide away, and now suddenly you've got a hold on me kind of thing. And it was there, there was no, like, work and effort, it felt to me, like that, that that looked like they were genuinely, you know, intensely wrestling in those those spots. It all just looked too choreographed and smooth, and they, that, they lost me very, very early on with that. And, and there was definitely a point where... You know, I was watching this and I was thinking, am I even going to finish watching this match? And I did a quick flick to see how long was left on the, you know, on the 
time bar and i think there was you know there was eight minutes left or something and i thought i'll give it i'll give it another eight minutes kind of thing for the sake of eight minutes so at least i've seen it all but i, I just came away from it at the end thinking yeah i'm glad i didn't watch the rest of the tournament and if this is something that's going to become some usp that you know roh are going to try and sell themselves on in the next year then they're going to have to try a bit fucking harder to get me on board with it, um, to be honest, or, or at least uh, at least change some of the personnel. But yeah, just uh, not for me. 2.75. It's a shame because you might like the week before. Yeah. I think the week before was actually a good show. with Because I think Gresham Lee Woods Williams. and Williams, they thought a mm. couple of good three and a half stars, like yeah. I, I would say. But yeah. yeah, it's a massive disappointment. Yeah, I would say like Tracy Williams' run towards the end was good. There was the Fred Yehi match uh, that was very good as well. Uh, in there, you know, Gresham's run wasn't as exciting, and this is a tournament built around Gresham, so that is a little bit of a disappointment. Um, you know, but it was still fun. It was still fun to watch the to- you know, to see like a Russ Taylor like on ROH TV. Um, I felt like the thing I felt about these shows until we got near the end and they started getting a little bit angle heavy, trying to build other stuff outside of the pure tournaments. I was enjoying these, you know. Promo, promo, match, promo, promo, match, structured shows. So if they take anything from like the structure, you know, for the future, maybe that, you know, more than anything. Those those very simple early shows, I've got a lot of time for. Um, but yeah, this is a style that, that can be not the, the most dynamic. And yeah, um, as much as I think Gresham's going to be a good fit to be pure champion, and it's worthwhile having the spells on the shows. I think yeah, there's you're going to want a little bit more of a excitement out of it going forwards. But you know, it's on Grapple now, Gareth. So we've talked you into it. Is ROH TV getting updated every week now, or is it over now? The uh, the pure title tournament's over. Has it killed you? No, Did that two point seven five final kill you? <laughs> It's 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 on there. It's, uh, it's I've started, so I'll finish. <laughs> uh, that's what we know about Gareth. Dependable. Uh, so there you go. The uh, the ten ROH fans out there who have been throwing the ratings and every week. I tell a like twenty ROH fans out there that uh, filled the ratings the, the, for the last two weeks. It, I think it I think it tells a tale of this tournament that the first week that I put it on, um, what have we got here? Dalton Castle, Jay Lethal, seventy five people rated. Gresham. Wheeler Utah, 80 people rated. And then you get through to like last week, the semi final, like 18 people and 22 people rated those. So I think, uh, yeah. yeah, it didn't, uh, they haven't held their audience, shall we say. Oh. And neither have we. I'm sure everyone's tuned out by now. But yeah. <laughs> don't worry, everyone. We're all to talk hate. No, that's what I've done for the It's like you doing ECW, ECW back in the day. We're done for know. the year. <laughs> Is that We're it? done for the year now. <laughs> there you go. You're going to get ROH content out of us. Uh, but yeah. Unless something interesting comes up, I don't think we'll be revisiting it. But uh, shall we? Uh, shall we move on to some AEW? Shall we talk some uh, some dynamite and uh, and full gear coming up? It's Saturday, everyone. It's uh, what a Saturday we've got. Super Saturday. I'm going to be getting up early for Power Struggle, which we'll be talking about in a little while. Seven in the morning that starts. Half twelve, Everton United. I might go back to bed, have a little kip, get up. AEW pay per view. It's a good day. Love water. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the pay per view has taken shape, though. Like in, in all seriousness, like uh, obviously we're going to talk a little bit about last week's dynamite. There'll be one more dynamite to go before the uh, the pay per view this weekend. But yeah, main matches: uh, Jericho, MJF, uh, Moxley, Kingston, FTR, Bucks, and uh, and Kenny uh, and Hangman. Uh, what did you guys uh, make a dynamite and the uh, and the build to this uh, in this last week? Uh, go to you for first, Gareth. What's your height level uh, looking like for uh, for full gear at this point? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm 
pretty into it, really. When you when you look at you know, I mean, you look at those two matches. I think Hangman Page and uh, and Omega, and you know, the main event as well, Moxley Kingston. I think the way that those two have been been built, um, you know, it's it's almost like built to perfection. Both of those for me, like I'm absolutely, I absolutely cannot wait for both of those. And you know, I think I've got um, you know real confidence that they're going to be really strong matches for different reasons as well. Kind of, um, in, in, in in the way that they're. Um, that they're likely to be, I think, with the, the the people involved. I think one of the main successes, probably, for the Moxley Kingston thing is, is that you know we've had that match, we've seen that match on on Dynamite, you know, a, f- a few weeks a few weeks ago, um, they had that match. But I'm almost like as hyped for this match as if it was something you know brand new and even more. So yeah, mm. g- g- going into that, so you know, I think the way that. The way that things have been built around the promos there with with Eddie Kingston and, and I think Moxley has, has has hung as well in his like retorts when he's had his little backstage segments or pre tapes and things like that to um, to to come back at him have been 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 absolutely you, spot on as well. Were you someone hugely aware of Kingston? Like I know you're not a big big like US indie guy like coming into AEW. Like I'm sure you like you saw him at NWA and the likes and knew who he was, but like you know, is he someone you were strongly aware of going in? I mean, it, um, I'm aware of him. You know, obviously, I've you know I've seen a lot of him over the years in in, in different places, and that I think something that with him though is that is someone who I've always enjoyed him talking, but I've never been excited about him in the ring um, yeah, necessarily. And, 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 and I think in in some ways, I think. As, as as bad as this sounds, I think the visual presentation of him as well sometimes is has uh, yeah. probably like turned me off him a bit, a bit as well. Really, where he, he, I don't know, he, he, the the look definitely kind of like comes into the comes to the mixes as well with me. Whereas I've always thought of him. In my mind, it would always be like, yeah, you want Eddie Kingston as the mouthpiece, but then put some good good wrestlers around him who do the you know do the work and things. But actually, I'm I'm more into him, the idea of him as a wrestler. I think in the way that they've changed his presentation a bit in in AW, but just what I've seen from him in ring because you know I have. I've, so what was what was that at Manchester at Progress? Was it the Gresham, was it the Gresham match? That yeah. stunk. That absolutely oh, shit. Poor John. Match. It was, oh, poor John. It was off. It was bad, I though. Like, you're not wrong. <laughs> oh, no, that, match, that, that match was that was, was awful. But then, obviously, there was the uh, you know things in the you know the impact or TNA run and things that you know those that, that was that was entertaining stuff as well. But again, I wouldn't I wouldn't be saying that you know I'd be running to see him in the ring there. But I'm you know this I, I'm. I'm beyond verbals with this one. I actually want to see the match in the ring, kind of thing, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see the the kind of match that they, that that they do have, and and I think for it to be the the main event, you know, the the world title match of this show, and it be Eddie Kingston, it's just testament to him and the way that he's absolutely knocked it out of the park since he's come into AEW that they've got the confidence in him to put that put him in that position, but he absolutely one hundred percent has earned the right to be there, you know, and and yeah. you know that's the main thing for me. Yeah, totally. Because the thing is, like, you're not wrong. I think I feel like they put the stable around them because they were like, yeah, you're going to be the talker, but like, you know, Penta or Phoenix are going to be the worker, and I think he talked himself into this spot. Like, I, 
Yeah. I don't think this was ever the plan. Moxley needed a... It's a B defence. It's not an A defence for Moxley because there's other bigger matches on the card. But, you know, he needed a defence. And, yeah, Eddie Kingston, I think he's he's won a lot of people over with just how good he's been. And, you know, he's, he's turned up. And there are... that. That's the reason I ask because I think there's a lot of people out there who didn't know who he was, you know, weren't aware of Eddie Kingston. You know, maybe, maybe yeah, they saw, like, the you know, the hilarious Richie video from, from TNA and the LAX stuff recently. But other than that, you know, he's very, very much an indie name and he's an indie name i've always loved you know i bought his t-shirt i don't buy many t-shirts especially these days of wrestlers i feel like a real connection to eddie kingston like just because he's been around so long on the indies i love him as a promo but even i would always admit yeah but then the bell rings and it, it is an issue with, with eddie kingston but yeah i kind of think like this moxley match the fact that it's a an i quit match as well and you know they're gonna get the you know the toys out and it's gonna get silly and you know Part of the reason this match has even happened is is just the fact that Moxley loves working with him and clearly loves him as a human being, and it it gave them it gave reason for us to get these dynamites these last few weeks where they're just cutting promos on each other. Like it's just simple, isn't it? Just the, literally just carve out like three or four minutes and let either of them talk, and you know you're getting. I don't think it's hyperbole to say it like Kingston's promos are better than you know we just talked about a ma- an NXT UK match better than any WWE match in the last five years I think Kingston's promos are better than any WWE promo we've had in the last five years I think Boxley's promos are better than anything he did in that con- company as well uh, and it's because you know the two natural talkers who you give them a subject and let them go and they built you know interest in a match that probably isn't going to be a five star match but you know it's going to be an interesting match um so yeah it, it's caught me as well and i'm i'm hyped for it um is that a match big big for you you're looking forward to jp or is there a other stuff that you oh. built on this week's dynamite uh you're more into for, for me there's primarily two matches there's this one and i've just to carry on what you've been saying like it's i think it's kind of been born out of covid necessity having Eddie Kingston, he's talked his way into actually, this is what we're going to do at the pay-per-view mm. because it, it was a way of holding off on some of the bigger stuff as well, mm-hmm. whilst putting him into a kind of credible feud. And his title reign has been built up with a kind of a lot of B challenges. If you put MJF into the not really a top headliner yet role, it's been Brody Lee, MJF, Brian Cage, Lance Archer and Eddie Kingston. Mm. But they've all kind of solidified his reign. Like none of the matches have been bad, really. I mean, I'd say the Lance Archer match is probably the most disappointing of all of them, if anything. But on the whole, it's been a really good, like, solid title rate. So I'm looking forward to that. It, it, I come back to the, the, you know, our old friend Kenneth Omega and, uh, and Hangman Page, and I'm really looking forward to that and the direction that that's going and the direction that that feud has gone. Um, that, for me... It, it, it's how good that match could be if you had it in front of that. That's probably the saddest thing about it in front of, you know, normal times in front of a sold out arena. That's you're potentially talking a match of the year there. Mm. And one of the few people I think in hangman page who I always come back to something that Gareth said a, a, a while back about like, well, who's he going to have the great matches with? Well, Adam page is potentially one of those people because when he's on and he's, he's fully fit, he goes as well as anyone and he's, like kind of rate of improvement is there and just his, his general character I'm kind of sold on I like the new direction of Kenny Omega as heel like you know I'm I'm complete like I'm absolutely fine with this and it like there's other stuff on the card that I would say that like I'm intrigued by Chris Jericho MJF but I'm not necessarily looking forward to it as a match mm. 
because well, it's, gonna... it's it's the start of a kind of longer term storyline and it's where that goes yeah yeah Which, that's, yeah that's, that's it. um i'm i'm hyped for that one like as as a, as a match like, i mean how man had a I mean, Wardlow's the man of the moment on Dynamite right now. He had another yeah. great match on Dynamite, which was him and Adam Page. They really have like there's something here with Adam Page now. It was like a as like a babyface. They tried to go with him early when you know when he was the first title challenger for Jericho. Remember that? And it was just he was injured as well, wasn't he? Yeah, and it was too soon. It was it was like oh yeah, there's one of you know here's one of the the uh, the elite and he's getting a title shot. That's kind of I heard Sean Ross Sapp say that he, uh, today on uh, on his YouTube show with Steph. Like you know that was kind of like it was a poison chalice. Like it was too soon. He shouldn't have been in the match. Jericho was always going to win. Um, you know that was the wrong time. And whereas here we're teasing the heel turn for so long, and you know the whole alcoholism thing. You know. It, it kind of it has turned him into a bigger baby face and you can kind of tell that even though we haven't got you know rabid crowds there at these shows you can still see it you can see that there's like a he's hot right now and he's going in mm. there against omega who is fresh right now uh as, as a heel you know i've still got some misgivings on the other uh, kenny omega heel thing uh you know there's been a bit of uh the old discourse on uh online the last little while about uh, for some reason Meltzer and wade keller don't think this is he's fully turned heel yet they're not 100 percent sure um i mean for me it's obvious yeah he's a heel now like you just have to to see that entrance i've still got some misgivings i still think it's a little bit too cutesy i still it's, it's a little bit too wink at the camera for me but you know like i said last time I thought maybe i'm getting work too um but you know and it wouldn't shock me you know for him to turn around on a bt episode in a few weeks and be like wink at the camera and say no i was never the bad guy i was actually the good guy uh you you were all reading too much into it um but if it doesn't go that direction as long as they stick stick the course and i think i think they probably will i'm probably just being paranoid um this feels like a fresh direction for the company this feels like a match whatever happens you know as a result of it it's gonna be the direction of the company um for the next while and yeah, for me, this is the big match that I'm hyped for as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the same, you know, like I think I was, you know, when I was catching up listening to Voices of Wrestling the other day, they were, they were saying, you know, they were talking about people not getting this this idea of Kenny being the heel and not getting the character. And I'm just thinking, like, what could be more obvious, overt about it now with that entrance? You know, it looks, you know, it's, it, there's, there's all that level of for one, the effort that's gone into it, which is clearly, you know, pegging him out has been different to other people on the card. But then two, just the way that it's all presented is just so heelish. You know, watching him work in this match and things, you know, he was like laughing at Penta, you know, goading him in and, you know, doing little things, you know, just little heelish things, little, you know, just kicking him in the stomach instead of, you know, going for a chop battle and things like that. And mm. it was just little dickhead things kind of thing that he was the, that he was introducing you know not dead in your face but sufficient that anybody who's watched wrestling <laughs> knows yeah this this guy's you know this guy's this guy's a heel and i think that's it when you when you talk about it's probably why I referenced both matches up front when you talked about, um, you know, what, what I was looking forward to. I think it's that next direction and probably thinking about next year, 
for me is where I, I, I'm excited and intrigued. You know, JP referenced the opponents that that Moxley's had to this point, and they have all they have been. You know, you don't want to say B title matches, but they're you know not on that absolute top tier title matches that they've had. But he's come through and he's been sustained as in year one. We've had two champions. We've had Jericho, who your average wrestling punter knows who Chris Jericho is. We've had um, John Moxley, who your average wrestling punter, you know, who's you know non hardcore fans going to turn the channel, see, recognise from WWE, and help kind of like year one establish the brand. Going into year two, I think moving on from Moxley to Page and Omega kind of thing and just Mm -hmm. sort of taking it to that next level of, okay, these are the guys who ultimately the company was started and built upon. Let's move things forward now and let's have those, you know, top-tier elite-level world title matches that presumably will come from a combination of of those three really and you know there's whoever wins then the other guy's going to get a shot and then they're going to work with each other and there's probably going to be that element of transition over the over the course of the year with that feud yeah. i can't wait to, I, can't, I can't wait to see them two um you know working with each other and i think kenny is that as that heel character throughout next year I think it's going to be something where he will be putting on a higher level of match at the top end of the card that will generate that buzz that people's going to be talking about. But from a character perspective as well, you're going to see that star Omega come through a bit more. And it's also going to elevate Hangman. And then you're still going to have Moxley in the mix there. who He's got these matches that he, they, that he can have that still feel very, very fresh as well with him as the challenger coming back as well. And, you know, I think... It just it just all feels poised at the top end there for for to be you know real 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 top stuff in in twenty twenty one. I mean that's the positive from a creative point of view, but I've got to point some negatives out from this last week's diamond. I know mm-hmm. I'm going through to the pay per view. I mean we've already we had a little bit of a moan about it uh, last time we talked about AEW, but uh, FTR the Young Bucks. Anybody more hyped about that match than they were four years ago? I don't think I am. Uh, the match is going to be great. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I think, I think, you know, I, I, FTR have maybe flattered to deceive a little bit in AEW, but I've still got that confidence that you know, it's probably going to be a very good in-ring match. But that promo segment on last week's Dan, what was going on? What are the young bucks doing? I don't get it. I just don't. I didn't get it from this whole where where we're super kicking Tony Schiavone and we're throwing money at Tony Khan stuff like works as a BTE skip but on your main TV pr- program when you're building this dream match between what should be a straight heel team and a, a straight babyface team and now this week throwing in that weird oh yeah and if we lose we're just like Cody and, and they didn't don't reference Cody either which I think would have been a better way of bringing this up they just go oh yeah, yeah. if we don't win if we don't win the belts uh, yeah we're just not going to challenge again like did this match need that I don't think it did I feel like they just needed to book the match and get out the way like it's been perplexing these last few weeks of Dynamite I've, I've even as Gareth said you know last time talked a little, watched a little bit of BTE to try and fill myself in on what the fuck going on and I'm still not sure um, yeah I mean I, I shouldn't be down on it because I'm sure at the end of the day when we record with Steph on Sunday night it'll probably end up being if not the best match of the night the second best match of the night but I can't say my height level is, uh, is particularly high on it it's, it's purely just this build right yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's 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 just been odd from from the start. You know, they've all, right from the very start, they almost had them where they were they were the friends from the off kind of thing, and they were working like eight man tags where they're on the same team. Oh yeah, I remember that. And there, was the, there was these odd sort of like standoffs together at the end where 
is something going to happen? No. And it ends up being respectful a bit and things like that. And then it's sort of evolved into this way where probably, I think FTR to me feel like they've found themselves within the role they should be playing a bit more probably in the last six weeks or two months Mm. or something like that. But running parallel to that, you've obviously had the Young Bucks being more heelish and, you know, going towards, you know, that, that, that side of the fence and thinking, well, hang about, this makes no sense at all to have them be both going in that direction. This stipulation just feels odd. The only thing, the only positive I could think of to take out of it was that given that Cody has been quite, sort of distinct about I'm not breaking the stipulation and it would be very heelish of the books to say lose the match and then just like go against the stipulation a week later or something like that and use their mm-hmm. power to get themselves another title shot or something like that that they have within the company and it would just you know make them stand out as different to Cody and been you know more dickheads as a result of it or something but equally if they then go more heelish then does that mean FTR have to become more face-like to keep this feud going, which doesn't fit? That doesn't seem to be where where you want them. And I'm I'm kind of like you, Benno. Like that. Mm. I think again, in in isolation, they will have a good match on the day. They've had they've had long enough to think about it. They're both good enough, or they're all good enough in the ring to to make that happen. But I just think it's. You know, it's simple. This is the sort of thing where simple would have just been easy. They've had years and years to plan this match out. FGR come in, just fucking attack them or whatever, build a heated feud between the two and just get from A to B that way. And, mm. you know, you've got this simple going into everybody likes the young books. Everyone hates FTR. There you go. Have a classic heel versus face match. And it's, you, you, you'd be more excited going, going into it. Whereas, yeah, this would, this to me, is you know pretty far down the list in terms of excitement um, for for the weekend. I'm completely with you guys on this. It, I just keep thinking of all the things you do simply. It's a dream match. Your your heels and faces. You don't need to rush into the Bucks going into because I think they're going to end up with Kenny as the kind of like the elite. I think that's what they're going to end up going for, and them sort of terrorising the company, and then having the kind of inter elite feuds with Paige, and they'll get Cody involved and the rest of it. But there are so many simple things they just they just needed to do. It's like the entire Bucks character change has meant that your two top teams are heels. And that's in and of itself quite an odd dynamic at the best of times. And it's not like either of them are playing kind of like cool heels either. Mm. So there's nothing like kind of really over about that. I kind of wonder how good the match is going to be. Because I actually think there's a degree of pressure on this, as I think there should be. But... Well, they you'll look at FTR and uh, Kenny and Page. That it happened there, didn't it? There was pressure on that, and they didn't deliver. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm rem- and that's what I'm thinking of. I think I went three stars on that. I, think mm. I just remember that I'm bored, and like this needs to go at it because this is something apparently you know that fans have wanted to see for a really long time, and they've kind of botched the build up to it by adding in all these unnecessary complications because they may well have thought we need to fill TV, mm. and it's like, well, you could see what they've done with we've just mentioned it with Moxley Kingston, just dueling promos, stuff like the most simple kind of pro wrestling build in the book. And they, uh, and they've kind of forgotten all about that for this unnecessarily convoluted, even convoluted by having Tully in there as well. Really? When you think of it, it should have just been the four of them and a match. And then at that point, perhaps then you've got your kind of deep rooted animosity where FTR cheat or something in order to get the win on the first time round. And then you build into your feud and that can lead to then your nasty bucks. 
but they just seem to have gone down a weird route, which is always what we come back to. Of like, obviously, the Bucks will be in charge of these segments, and they're the kind of things that are like those little warning signs you see about the booking when it's like they get too directly involved, which is probably why, as much as I like the Kenny Omega stuff, there's always a fear factor of like yeah. he could do something fucking stupid really at any given moment to kind of <laughs> undermine a lot of this. Why? Shits and giggles. Yeah. Throw another like yeah, video game video in where he's professing his love for Kota Ibushi who doesn't even work for the company again. Remember when he did that the week before the Moxley match? <laughs> Anything's possible with <laughs> this lot. Uh, yeah, that is the bad side, I think, of uh, letting the wrestlers uh, rule the roost, I think. Um, speaking of which, and I am hyped for this pay-per-view, <laughs> Jericho MJF. Um, the match mm. itself, I think. I don't think this is a yeah. match. I think this is basically a big angle. Um, I, I've got... I feel like this is the fair. This is like not the proper match. Whatever comes as a result of the end of this angle and the town hall he had on this last week on Dynamite and MJF, if he wins, he joins the inner circle. And there's some of the inner circle that want him and some that don't. You know, this is going to be the kickoff match. I think for whatever there will be a blood match later on, a big match later on with them. This feels very soon to be going to Jericho versus MJF, which makes me think shenanigans. Um, so I, I am intrigued from that point of view. Town Hall didn't really work for me. It was, you know, on this week's Dynamite, it was just a bit, it was flat. And the idea of having, you know, the wrestlers come out and for some reason, you know, ask questions of these wrestlers and Tony Schiavone has to sit there and pretend it's a, it's a real political rally. Um, it was a miss for me. And I feel like those, those misses are rare with Jericho um, and his creative in AEW as a whole. Um, and MJF too. Um, didn't really work for me. Didn't exactly pique my interest for the match. But, you know, maybe this tag match coming up on, on this week's Dynamite will, will change my mind. And like I say, I'm quietly confident that this is, you know, this is going to be a big angle or something. We're going to get some kind of big development at the pay-per-view. Because otherwise, I don't really get going for the for this match so quickly. Uh, I don't know. What's your read on this one, Gareth? Yeah, I'm exactly the same as you. That that um, segment on, on Dynamite did nothing for me. I, I felt it just went on too long. And it just felt it felt pretty... A lot of it just felt pretty meaningless and pretty, pretty dull. But, uh, you know, I think generally these two being together on camera has been pretty entertaining. I've, something I've been pretty positive about, you know, mm. to, as far as I'm concerned, anytime Chris Jericho is on the TV, I'm going to be excited about watching him, you know, in the, in, in the main and, yeah, I'm, I'm the, the same as you. I'm certainly not watching this one expecting, you know, five-star match quality. But what it is for me is it's whatever they do, I'm pretty confident that it's going to be something that's going to be entertaining on the night. And then also, I think, again, just leading into the, just the direction or future direction of what happens with MGF, what happens with the Inner Circle, what happens with Jericho and things. It's going to just be the, you know, the the next step in that story and lead to something that's going to be a bit of a shake-up within um, within. That those group of people that again just gives them a bit more direction as you know setting things up for them for the next three four five months as well through into through into next year as well. So you know I think I think it's one of one of those that I I can't I just can't see them missing in terms of what they're what they what they what they're going to do and you know expecting that it'll just be a nice enjoyable little break in between uh, hopefully hopefully a few good wrestling matches on the card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they go like, I mean, I've gone too heavy on the Retro ROH on this podcast, but there was once a heel versus heel Carino Punk match where they just spent the entire match trying to out-cheat each other. I think if we get that for 15 minutes, I think I'm going to enjoy this. Uh, how about you, JP? Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Uh, I'd like to see something like that. In some ways, it would be a nice breakup 
on the show. It should be the thing that's kind of different because I'm not exactly holding out hope for whatever the extreme deletion match is. <laughs> oh um, god, yeah, that's on this card. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah. After that, there's a bit of yeah. There's there's some very average stuff. Or, well, I say average, quite uninspiring stuff. And this is at least something where you think, okay, they're going to have the creative heads on. They've got to come up with a f- finish that kind of wraps up a lot of the kind of loose ends, which I imagine is going to be extended with like Ortiz and Santana. Not l- Sorry, Ortiz and Sammy Guevara really not wanting him in there, whereas um, Santana's a little bit kind of more open to it. Hager's not been there because of his, his war of a fight in Bellator, which I saw, by the way, which he was like, he took a he takes a punch like he won quite comfortably in the end but he like really had to kind of like dish it out but at the same time there's enough kind of interpersonal dynamics that i'm interested to see where that goes knowing full well that they're in control of this and that jericho will know what his role is like i've basically got to build the next mega heel mm-hmm. this for this company and he'll take that on as the challenge like he recognizes it is whilst also simultaneously getting himself over even back as a baby face and people get to cheer Judas in the way that they kind of really, really like would want to. So yeah, I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to it, but yet as a match, I'm I'm not, if I went above three stars, I'd probably be quite surprised. I I just want to see sad face Jericho in the end as like, as the, the inner circle have turned on him and gone with MGF and left him there and just a good, a good, Jericho comedy facials kind of thing as he comes to the realization that uh, that that he's abandoned. That's my that's my hope for the uh, that's my hope for the evening. There you go. And I don't know so much about babyface Jericho uh, JP. Did you not know he's a Trump voter? Trump donated, in fact. Oh yeah. I mean, I, 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 that does my head, and that stuff. It's like you know, we we we've grew up in times where all our favorite wrestlers turned out to be like sex offenders, murderers in some cases. <laughs> I'm not gonna act shocked that a rich white pro wrestler who lives in middle America now is a Trump voter. Uh, yeah. Well, he's in Florida and Florida at the minute is going to, um, is, is going to Trump ever so slightly. Oh. Whereas Georgia um, is going, seems to be going slightly more towards Biden, hopefully. So yeah, fingers crossed on that one. And Jericho lives in Florida, obviously. So mm. I always like Rumble. Brad Street, Atlanta, GA. So there we go. Georgia uh, <laughs> stepping up for us all. <laughs> exactly. I tell you what, the Undertaker. Fuck me, he donates to every right wing cause. Yeah. Every one of them. Yeah. NRA, guns, Jesus, anti-abortion. The fucking lot. Probably. I don't know. I didn't look up the last one. But let's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Potentially slanderous. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, sorry everyone, fifty percent of your favourite wrestlers might be idiots, uh, but what are you gonna do? Yeah. Um <laughs> just like the electric and footballers and movie stars and musicians and everybody yeah. else. Our update, Biden is up by 0.1% in Florida. Uh, this will be great for people who listen absolute to this at 10 o'clock tomorrow, fucking, right? Yeah, exactly. You know the results. An absolute <laughs> fucking nail-biter. <laughs> Keep so it remember updated, what, Jer- Jericho's made that race tire, so there is relevant to what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Good Um yeah, I, you know, I was going to say, like, to, to round like, the rest of that card, like you said, JP, not a huge amount going on, but interesting stuff. Uh, Cody and Darby Allen's probably the pick of the rest of the matches. Mahardy and, uh, and Sammy Guevara in Elite Deletion, we don't need that. That cursed feud. Uh, we just we didn't need to go back to it, and we didn't need another pre-tape match. Uh, she, the Nyla Rose, um, I mean, to be Didn't honest... It? 
you know, legit Layla made a star of herself on Dynamite this week. Put her in the in the match instead. She was fucking great. Um, I'm biased, having seen her, you know, up close and personal at uh, Femme Fatales in WXW, and kind of seeing her at this young age make it as far as Dynamite was was cool for me to see. But that's more interesting to me than that. Um, and Orange Cassidy, John Silver. There you go, your boys on the. Uh, it's the pre-show. But he's getting a match, Gareth, you know, this, that. Uh, anything stand out out of those? I'm guessing it's that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the, the, the match of those kind of thing that's, that stands out. But, I mean, just on that point about Shida and, and Nyla Rose, that's probably the most disappointing with me. I, I mean, I'm not one of the, what you know, I think everyone always draws these comparisons between AEW and WWE and the number of women's matches that are on there and things. And, uh, you know, I, d- I don't see it as been like a like-for-like comparison. I see very much there's WWE have got more and better female talent to work with kind of thing. So there's naturally like a better place for them to, to go on the on, on the show. I think what AEW have done with their um, female wrestlers in the main has probably been pretty well done. You know, obviously there's going to be the few exceptions, but this for me, like I really like Hikaru Shida. I'm a big fan of her. Uh, I think she puts on great matches. I love the way they've, you know, built her and got her over with the audience. And, and But this just been an absolute afterthought where it's like nothing's happened for weeks and suddenly it's, oh, yeah, go and have a match with Nyla Rose at this, you know, we don't have many pay-per-views, but yeah, let's put the women's title on the line here and just just be random person X kind of thing. Mm. That just feels lame to me. It just feels a bit disappointing, especially, you know, because of the positives that we've seen from Shida in the in the past over this year. I think she, she deserves more and who knows, like, I don't know, I don't know if the Thunder Rose a thing or something like that, maybe, you know, they were going to build into that more or something and they've had to do a YouTube at the end and and, and and things but again fucking plan better than that then if you're going to build towards something like that on one of your pay for views make sure you've got people signed sealed and delivered to be able to be in that spot and you know don't let yourself um, find yourself in this position so, so that was a bit disappointing I think the Cody Darby Allen one's weird as well that just mm. feels like it's a bit kind of no build out of nowhere as well because you know and again, again you kind of look at that and think if you're going to put that on, then surely there was more they could have emphasized over the over the last last few weeks. Why and, was he messing around uh, with Orange Cassidy on Dynamite? What was the point? Like, like, why, why like, go back to that as well this week? Well, well, he he's done that, and then Darby's been doing all the Ricky Stark stuff as as as, as well. And it, like in my mind, I was thinking, oh, I'm really looking forward to that Darby Allen Ricky Starks match that's uh, that's coming up. But uh, you know, they assumed they were going to have some kind of bigger, high profile match here at Full Gear. But again, that you know, okay, is 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 in a TNT Championship match? Fine, I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure it'll be a good, enjoyable match. They've 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 had you know good match in the in, in the past, but again, if you, you want to see a bit of build kind of thing for something like this, and feel like it hasn't just come at the you know click of fingers the week before the event or something, because that's very that's what we expect from WWE, and you don't expect from AEW really that, that that's coming coming out of it. But I think with the Orange Cassidy John Silver uh, thing, yeah, I'm delighted to see Silver getting a singles match, and okay, it's on the pre-show. Definitely, um, definitely excited to see that. It's been with Orange Cassidy. I think them two together, you know, they're gonna they're, they're gonna put a amusing match on in there that's probably going to be you know highly entertaining and right up both their street. And to be honest, it's where Orange Cassidy should be as well. I know, like last week, I said, I just. I, 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 that the time limit draw match with Cody was was enough for me, and I couldn't see any reason to to go beyond that. And you know, I felt like. 
the Orange Cassidy character had sort of run its course a bit and had been maybe overexposed to some degree. Again, I felt that even more this week with the match that they that they they had and. You know, I just wonder how much legs there is in in, in Orange Cassidy. He certainly needs to, you know, they, I, I don't think they can push him down this serious wrestler route. And there was some bits in that match with Cody this week where I was just thinking, you can't get away with that. You know, is is Cody's looking jacked to fuck? He's put on all his size and muscle, and it was just taking you know some of it was just taking me right out of it. It just looked too incredible, kind of you know what was going on. Equally, if he is down the comedy route, then he definitely needs to shake his act up and introduce some new things because, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I've seen it all before. And I think maybe this this John Silver match maybe gives um, gives him something different to work off from a comedy perspective. And hopefully it kind of does something that ignites a bit of a change in his character because he's clearly popular um, with, with, with people out there. But he's, I think the more he just sticks to doing the same stuff, He's going to be increasingly less popular, and you know, yeah, I don't know. Can you imagine turning on Dynamite in a year's time, and Orange Cassidy's still there doing his hands in his pockets and his little kicks and things like that? Yeah, I don't, doesn't doesn't feel like a ratings draw for me. Me and JP got tired of him over a WrestleMania weekend one year. Never mind an actual year. <laughs> but it was that point. Matches, wasn't it? It was that point when it was six in the morning. I was in Matty's, and uh, I've mentioned this a few times. Orange Cassidy and Brian Alvarez started. I was like, right, I'm done with this. Can't deal with the story anymore. Can't deal with the Savage Cassidy guy anymore. Uh, I am feeling a little bit that way with him, yeah, in AEW. If there was a live crowd there, I think they'd turn on him and they'd go with John Silver. Like, I think I feel like he would be the biggest thing in AEW right now if they had real crowds. Uh, yeah, maybe there'll be a pass another torch in that thing. Uh, any other last thoughts on it from you, JP, on the pay-per-view or AEW as a whole before we uh, have a quick chat about New Japan? I assume that this... I mean, in terms of this pay-per-view of this era, it looks like the kind of cars they've been generally putting on. I think we were very disappointed by the, the last show. What was the last show? It was uh, Double or Nothing, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It wasn't Double or Nothing. It was Double or Nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that seemed like that was the weakest of, of all of the, the pay-per-views that they'd done. So I just hope it's an improvement from that. Because, but, yeah, there's a lot of clarification that's kind of needed as much as anything else. Mm, for sure. Um, shall we talk some New Japan then? I mean, Ring of Honor got pride of place on this week's show. We did all the plugs at the start. What's up is up and da- what's up is down and down is up uh, this week. We're doing New Japan at the very end. Uh, it's not like my interest is down either. I'm excited for, uh, for Power Struggle this weekend. I'm not sure uh, how this happened, how it got pushed uh, so far down the card. But, you know, hype for it. I think it's going to be uh, going to be a fun show. Uh, obviously, we did, to be fair, we talked uh, a fair bit of New Japan on that roundtable, JP. So maybe mm-hmm. we don't need to spend so much time on it. But it's a uh, Strong looking card to me. Um, Yano Zack Sabre Jr., uh, Minoru Suzuki Shingo, that should be a banger. Okada Great Okan, yeah, we'll see with Great Okan. Uh, Kenta Tanahashi, that should be good. Kota Ibushi, mm. Jay White for the briefcase, and Naito Evil in the main event. Maybe the less said about that one, the better. But hey, as far as like a, a strong get let's your say, five in early six. before um, Everton Man U. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I might have time there for a little, uh, a little trip to Greg's. Like, nice little nap. 10 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> be sound that. Yeah, they're killing me, gay though. Like, what, what, I'll, when New Japan's a nice little ten in the morning start, oh, that's a perfect way to start your Saturday. I don't want to get up at seven on a Saturday. I haven't got kids. Like, <laughs> I'm barely in bed by then. Um. <laughs> it's ideal for me. I, I got massively into like rugby league because I was watching the NRL at like bloody six a.m. 
<laughs> like at this stuff, like I was just like, yeah, fuck it, go on the Raiders, <laughs> absolute, yeah. And then and then I started really getting into it, and you just see that Australian rugby league players are fucking wild men, absolutely. <laughs> that Mad Monday stuff, like proper like drinking pints of your own piss shit, like shocking behavior. <laughs> anyway, New Japan. <laughs> uh, Speaking of evil, yeah. <laughs> yeah, speaking of evil. I would rather does... drink a pint of my own piss. Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting dilemma. Oh, I don't know. Um yeah, the best of evil twenty twenty, just a compilation of his matches since he's turned heel. I'm taking the piss. Um yeah, it, it's it, it, it's I, I feel what were we talking about beforehand? Evil Naito. I Naito's gonna win. Let, <laughs> let's just cut to the chase. Yeah. He he he's gonna win. The drama is really in the other matches mm. um, as much as anything. As much drama as there is, I mean, it, it, it's it's a fun card. I think mm. you said it best. And they seem to have shortened down the length and got rid of the multi-mans. And I can greatly appreciate that. So when this card turns up like kind of once a month in the big card territory, these feel like much easier watches. Whereas I think an evil Naito main event at the where you've got like a ton of multi-mans on the undercard feels like, oh God, you know, going to have to sit through some stuff here, aren't we? Mm. Before we, uh, before we get through to the end. So like overall, like this evil, uh, sorry, um, Ibushi White I'm looking forward to. Mm. Oh, hello. Is there a result coming in JP? Is that what's happening? I don't know. The question is there. Is it Trump? Uh, it is. It's. It's. It, it's not Trump at the minute. Just all eyes on Florida. It's fucking tight and tense. <laughs> just keeping an eye on you two, John King, while going completely off on a tangent about New Japan. <laughs> Why can't you and Will Cooling do a live Twitch stream tonight, JP? That's what the people would have wanted. No, I, I wouldn't be able to laugh. I'll be asleep in like sort of like <laughs> half an hour. I promise you. Yeah, Biden's winning by one and a half percent in Florida. Go on, Biden, boy. Sorry. <laughs> but enough about Kenta and Tanahashi. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, leads into mo- hopefully Moxley at the Dome. That's that Tanahashi Moxley at the Dome. I'll take that. What are you hyped for on this one, Gareth? Well, I'm not hyped for Evil NATO. That's uh, <laughs> that's definitely not the case. And, you know, I've been watching a couple of these Road to Power struggle shows um, over the uh, over the last couple of days. And, mm. like, I was... I, the the last one, I think the semi-main was Evil and Yujiro against Naito and Sonada, and it's like obviously this is the match that's like building into the um, building into the you know the main event of this show, and like that was actually the point that because I was at work and I had it on in the background, that was the point that I chose to do some work and stop looking <laughs> at the screen kind of thing. So I think it's the ultimate, um, it's the ultimate sort of. I don't know, level of where Naito Evil is that actually doing some work was more of an appealing prospect than sitting looking at this screen for, yeah. for 20 minutes looking at that one. So that's definitely a definitely last on the list there. But I mean, I think when you look at these, you know, you look at some of these matches, like I think the um, the match that they had um, on on the show where they did the, the six-man and it ended with Jay and Kenta um both sort of leveling Ibushi and Tanahashi with the respective briefcases and um, Kenta and Jabin like left holding the belts as, as sorry holding the briefcases as Ibushi and Tanahashi lied on the floor that got me very hyped for both of those matches and you know Kenta was pulling some 
great facials there in, in, in that one. And, you know, I think, I think I'm really looking, to, looking forward to that. I think Kench and um, Tanashi are going to have a banger there. And then we know that, um, we know that Ibushi and um, Jay White can deliver because we've, we've mm-hmm. seen it in the, we've seen it in the past. And obviously with our, our new enthusiasm for Jay White, um, <laughs> you know, we, we've got to be going into that one uh, particularly hyped. Uh, he had a lovely new uh, black and red style Bullet Club Ribera jacket on um, yesterday, which uh, bringing back a very Wolfpack look of it, which I thought was a, oh. an interesting little little nod there. Are we uh, are we getting into Bullet Club Wolfpack territory? I don't know. Let's uh, let's see. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think those two are the ones that, uh, that look look the most exciting there. I mean, obviously, you know that any time Suzuki and Shingo go, you know, go out there, they're just gonna have my kind of match they're going to go knock knock hell out of each other and put on an aggressive fast-paced um you, you know match that that's you know going to be disappointing or surprising if it averages out under four stars probably there so definitely hyped about that one and then i think the um you know i love zach doing doing a bit of comedy as much as i no love corner zach pads. doing, doing his serious work and at the end of that match where you know that they, they had um they had a a very, like a, a very, very, you know, on both of these shows, I think it's it's probably worth pointing out to anybody who, who's maybe skipped these because they just see them as like road two shows and they maybe haven't watched some of the some of these matches. But there was a IWGP tag title match there where Taichi and Zach um, were up against Goto and Yoshihashi. And that was a really, really good match. I was like teetering between 3.75 and, and, and four stars on that one. You know, I think definitely go out and watch that if you've got some got some time this week. It was a it was a really, really good tag match. Yoshihashi looked <laughs> really good and they kept him really strong. He had a lot of ring time. He had a, a lot of very near falls that I bit on a couple of them. And, you know, he, he, he looked excellent there. And at the end of that match, what you had was... Like Yano coming in, coming in the ring after and cutting a big promo after the match, and that was where he, he set up the Jack, uh, Zach match, and then Zach cut a promo in, in, in the back, which you know was a good retort to that. That that set it up nicely where he's talking about okay if you if you want a um, no turnbuckle pad match you know let's take the ropes off as well let's get some piranhas and put them in there as well which you know imagine zach coming out with it with that kind of stuff it was it was so set up very well that you just know they're just going to go out there and just it's going to be a, a good bit of fun and they're going to have a good laugh and things like that and you know that's that that's definitely um you, you know definitely just as a little palate cleanser probably to to start things off at 7 a.m or 6 a.m kind of thing just to to put a smile on your face and easier into the easier into the show um the other the other match that i referenced though that um leads probably more into um if we're talking about best of the super juniors but um Hiromu and Bushi had a um, junior tag title match against Kanemaru and Desperado. And again, that was in the 3.75 to four-star territory. Really, really good match. And um, I know I know they're not on power struggle, but the bulk of the match was between Hiromu and Kanemaru. And fucking hell, did they gel. Like, the chemistry between them was absolutely fantastic. And... It, I, I, I literally cannot wait for them two to have a match in the best of the super juniors based on what we've seen there, because oh, wow. this was great stuff in the middle of a tag match that obviously they're just given that tease of, of, of what more they can do. And, you know, I was, I was looking and they've, I think they've literally had one match ever, um, um, unless one singles match ever. Uh, I, that just left me really excited for, for both those guys. I know I'm probably jumping the gun a bit there onto best of the super juniors, but again, if you've got a bit of time this week, 
check that match out as well on the you know on the the previous day from from Road to Power Struggle because it was it was really really good stuff. Oh, but yeah, well, it's worth mentioning because yeah, that is coming up. They did announce it on the tour, didn't they? I mean, I'll be honest. The uh, the Jacob lineup looked far more interesting to me than the Metro Super Juniors lineup. Yeah, but that helps. That helps. Like give me some like some interest. Like just running down this list. Like best of Super Juniors is Taguchi, Master Wato, Show, Robbie Eagles, Hiromu, Bushi, El Desperado, Kanemaru, Duhi, and Taiji Shimori. <laughs> and then the Jacob is TJP, ACH, Leo Rush, Chris Bay, Ray Horus, Blake Christian, Clark Connors, and El Fantasmo. Ah, it's a close one, though, as <laughs> to what's actually stronger. I don't know, maybe if I had that investment uh, there from uh, from watching some of these Road 2 shows, I'd be more into uh, it's the best of Super Juniors, but I don't know, the uh, the, uh, the, the the New Japan USA side uh, looks all a bit stronger to me there, JP. Oh, God, yeah. And it's just all the kind of inter-company politics that surround it as well. Impact being mentioned by New Japan is a lot more, considering uh, GCW. how they... Yeah, yeah, GCW as well. I mean, they um, is Ray Horace got a Ring of Honor contract? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, there's this kind of like kind of open like apart from everyone than than AEW, but a little bit sort of more open minded towards it. I thought when I saw the both of them, I thought, imagine if you could get like the idea of Leo Rush in New Japan. I think was one of the things that I kind of wanted to see, and I'm hoping it leads towards that. Imagine what you'd have if you kind of combined these. Hmm. Or he just had a few over from the US one, oh, wow, which yeah. I think is probably part of the issue. Would my God, it'd be something. So this best of the Super Juniors because it's running on the same time as the Tag League, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So like, in some in in some ways, there's going to be this kind of very bizarre thing where you've got these two tournaments that you're not necessarily that interested in, other than uh, I imagine Hiromu's winning best of the Super Juniors to challenge Ishimori at the Dome. That seems like the most obvious likely thing to happen but having two tournaments on at the same time is interesting having three is fucking wild <laughs> like they're doing like there's a lot to keep up with um but if you've seen blake christian in gcw that's not what you would have seen on new japan strong he's a bit more grounded on that but chris bay i'm interested because i've liked what i've seen of him in impact and i think you were you were saying gareth as well it's like you know they were going all in on him and then they've kind of held back on him so like it's good for him to know that there's other options potentially out there. I think he probably says a lot about Rocky Romero and how well he's liked and the kind of contact he's made, that he's mm-hmm. perhaps got the freedom to be able to bring in people who he think is is going to be good. And I imagine he's going to get a few more eyeballs on it than what it perhaps would have done normally. Because mm-hmm. I think there's a potential, obviously with the ceiling of the, the environment, of having some really good stuff. And I won't lie, and it's probably like, because I look at that best of the Super Juniors like line up it feels quite tired and sadly reminds me of well felt with new japan cup mm. whereas like fundamentally i'm like uh, yeah there'll be some good stuff but it's not going to be like the best of the super juniors from when was it last year two years ago mm. the the, the, Australia, the osprey yeah. osprey shingo yeah it's not it's not going to be anything close to that unless master Wato has had some sort of <laughs> drug wrestling drug version from film limitless and somehow <laughs> made him completely expand his potential and i don't think that's happening i think i think it was just i just found the most bizarre thing because i was watching it live as the as the entrance to the super jacob were like coming up on the screen and it was like suddenly there was an impact logo in the middle of my screen as they announced chris bay and then next suddenly there was this like ring of honor logo with ray horace and then 
then there was a GCW logo kind of thing. And I was like, there's a GCW logo on New Japan late right now. It seems wrong. It just just felt bizarre kind of thing, but it was good to just see that different and varied lineup. And it just looked, again, almost from that like political angle was like the first thing that you were thinking of. But then actually when you, you took a step back and looked at the names on the list, you thought... Ah, you know what? This is gonna this is gonna be some some really good stuff going on there. Like I say, from watching the the Road Two stuff, I've got things that I'm excited about in the in the best of the Super Juniors side of things as well. So, you know, I think as as something where probably between the two, you're going to be able to pick and choose. I'm sure there's going to be there's going to be one day where there's an outstanding match in the in the Super J Cup, and then there's equally there's going to be, you know, when you when it's not a Master Wato Taguchi match or something like that, and you've got Hiromu against Kanemaru or something like that. There's there's going to be you know there's going to be real good stuff there. I think Show's got a lot to prove again in this tournament. I think he's going to have some outstanding matches as as well on that side of the fence. So you know, hopefully, it's it's not going to be quite A block B block as we've seen with with G one. I think hopefully maybe across the two it's going to be a little bit more balanced, and then across the different shows you're gonna you're gonna have you know. An outstanding match or an outstanding couple of matches that's jumping out every every couple of days from each really, and I'm probably more excited about it going into it now than than I probably thought I would be like a week ago or or, or two weeks ago when maybe I was just feeling a little bit kind of post G1, yeah, I'm just a little jaded here, just need a little break from the uh, New Japan onslaught, but no, I'm I'm up for it. <laughs> it nothing's come out about the. I'm assuming the tag league announcement will be during Power Struggle. I think so. Or possibly even the day after knowing them. I saw Chris Charlton get asked on Twitter and he was like, you'll find out when you find out. A bit like a parent driving a car. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Uh, he didn't seem to know. <laughs> so I assume it's power struggle. But uh, they got any any Road 2 shows this week? Uh, I suppose it could be one of them. But we get the announcement. Uh, it's not out yet anyway. Um, you'll have to wait for your Good Brothers uh, announcement in, uh, in New Japan JP. I'm sure you're excited for it. <laughs> sure wow, Im- Impact's there. Oh, you know. They might have AC Romero and that other bloke in as well. <laughs> if they're going all in on Impact, they'll yeah. live to rue that mistake. <laughs> as we've spoken many times about Impact, they have, oh, yeah. they have that habit of going, "Nope, we're going to get this dramatically wrong." <laughs> yeah, but yeah, interesting few weeks coming up with New Japan. Like I say, uh, it was nice to have a little break from G One. But I am looking forward to Power Struggle at the weekend. I'm not like like I said before. I'm looking forward to mainly. To be for me, Okada Roka. I, I just really want to see if Great Okada's got it in him, and I want to see if if Okada's as good as we all think he is to drag a great match out of uh, Okada. And yeah, there's a lot of other interesting matches on that show. And I was going to say as well, I've, uh, if our pre- if our preview wasn't good enough for you, I've, actually, I've got the Wikipedia open right now for for the list of matches for Power Struggle. And the uh, the Wikipedia description, I feel like it might be a stub. It says the Power Struggle will feature six professional wrestler matches that involve different wrestlers from pre-existing scripts and feuds. Scripted feuds and storylines. Wrestlers portrayed <laughs> villains, heroes, or less distinguishable characters in the scripted events that built tension and culminated in a wrestling match or series of matches. And then it's the card. <laughs> that's the Wikipedia page. <laughs> oh, wild intro. That's got that in it. Fucking kayfabe, lads. Oh, I can't wait for these wrestling matches or series of wrestling matches. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm excited that I haven't been doing uh, what Gareth's been doing and seeing these Road 2 shows. Uh, I've taken the opportunity for a little break, but yeah, I am quietly excited for Saturday morning to get back on the New Japan train and, you know, quietly looking forward to these junior tournaments and even Tag League, you know, uh, at least be interesting to see who's uh, who's involved. So, yeah, uh, good few weeks coming up there. 
Um, anything else from you guys on, on New Japan or, or anything else? We're uh, wrapping up here. It's not even two and a half hours yet. We've uh, we've done well. Yeah. <laughs> sure, we can find something to talk about. <laughs> exactly. Should we go off on Trump for half an hour? Five minutes to kill. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to put the election results? Do you want to hedge, <laughs> JP? Do you want to do like a rant about Trump because uh, he won, and then do a rant, rant about Trump because he lost? Then I'll edit one in. You know, options. I, I, I don't. I don't even really give a prediction, and this is where irrational super. Position comes into the mix. Mm. I just want the wake. Something nice for once. That'd be good. Yeah. And like, but I'm just too wary of thinking like I've been kind of burnt by this. But I've noticed Orlando's obviously gone heavily Democratic as well, which mm. Vince won't be happy about. No doubt some prick will be being getting a bollocking <laughs> by, by his Republican overlords. Uh, yeah, if the uh, the Republicans do lose, though, you know, uh, wrestlers Andrew friends Yang. Andrew Yang's going to be diving right in there. You know, he was on on yeah. Jericho's podcast talking out loud about how he was going to uh, you know sort these things out and get the get back pay paid to the wrestlers and get them classified properly as workers. Page is talking out, uh, you know, unionizing on a Twitch streams right now. I love that. Page is the only WWE like personality with the bollocks to keep Twitch streaming despite the fact everyone else has had to uh, to shut down. Uh, you know, could be an interesting few months depending on uh, on how this has gone over this night. Exactly, and and it's been a long time coming. And my God, at least having some sort of serious focus on mm. the right would be would be great if we can get from it. Also, no deal Brexit with a Biden win becomes something that actually is is a lot less likely because they're not going to be happy he's an irish catholic not gonna be happy breaking the good friday agreement in order to get trade <laughs> agreement as well so true yeah fing- fingers crossed mm. all a moot point by the time people listen to this well if you want to see our reaction to the result you can uh, you can tune <laughs> yeah. into us on sunday night and like i say i'm gonna attempt uh, to get a video stream going jp you might get me what you wish we might even try discord out um, we'll see if i can hey. uh, i can work out the technical angles but all things working out yeah steph will be on with us on sunday night roughly about half nine but keep an eye out for uh, for my twitter and the grapple twitter so uh, for updates on uh, how i'm getting on uh, setting that thing up but yeah we got all our plugs out of the way earlier on so i'll just say yeah Follow me on Twitter at Benson Richardy, JP at JPGP, Gareth at Grapple App, and like Gareth said earlier, if you're uh, if you're looking at uh, buying AW at the weekend, uh, use the Grapple code. Uh, check uh, the Grapple App Twitter for that. And also, just on that, with the Twitter, we've got a free code to give away as well. So I'll probably be putting a tweet out in the next uh, in the next day or two there, where you know you literally just have to just retweet that and uh, follow follow Grapple App, follow Fight TV, and you're in chance with watch, uh, watching AW for free this weekend as well. So always worth looking out for that and worth doing because you never know you could be there, lucky winner, and save yourself twenty quid. There you go. (laughs) So yeah, like I say, you want to jump the queue, listen to our next podcast daily. We will be live Sunday night. If not, the audio should be out Monday or Tuesday. But yeah, in the meantime, fuck, go on, Biden. Good luck, mate. Yeah. Hopefully we all wake up to a better world in the morning. See you all. Bye. Fingers crossed. (laughs) 